This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal for Yelich! Tony Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. And boy, is life good for the Oakland Athletics as we're going to be with you for the next three hours. That's right, it is A's Cast Live after a great weekend for the Oakland Athletics as they take down the Angels and they win three out of four. But we start today's show out today with something really, really sad. Tyler Skaggs has passed away in Texas. We just saw Tyler pitching against the Athletics on Saturday's game against Brett Anderson. And when you hear this kind of news of a young man who's just 27 years old, it's heartbreaking. Married with children. You talk about someone leaving us too young. So I'm assuming they stay at the same place the A's stay, where we, uh, at the Four Seasons in Las Colinas, I believe that's where the majority of the team stay, but they haven't said. They've ruled out any foul play. They've ruled out suicide. So obviously they're going to have to do an autopsy to find out exactly why a 27-year-old and probably the best shape of his life passes away. They've canceled the game today. They'll reschedule the game. But it takes me back to a time when I was a lot younger. And I don't remember the year, but I remember the moment, and I've never forgotten it. Dusty Baker came back as the manager of the San Francisco Giants from prostate cancer. And I remember being in the media scrum when Dusty was talking about getting through this, and it happens to a lot of men. And Dusty said something that was so profound that I've never forgotten it. That tomorrow is promised to nobody. And it just makes you think when you're having that bad day and you're having those issues at work and you're complaining about this and you're complaining about that, sometimes you need to step back and realize you're alive. And I do it all the time since I lost both my parents recently. And it was back to back. And I think about it all the time when my brother calls me up and we got issues with the family business. I just remind him 
Tomorrow is promised to nobody. Life is still good. No matter what your issues are, life is still good. And you feel for the angels. Because, I mean, this is one of your brothers. This is one of your guys. And to know that he died on the road with you, this is going to affect them dramatically. And I feel horrible for the angels and their organization and our thoughts and prayers, the A's have put out a statement, and, but uh, our thoughts and prayers, most importantly, go out, wife, kids, parents, family members. Can you imagine that call as a young wife? Hearing that your husband is no longer alive, found dead in his hotel room in Las Colinas, Texas, or wherever the Angels stay when they take on the Texas Rangers. Did not want to start the show out like this today. Did not think that was going to happen. And I can tell you, when it came down, I was, I was, I was floored. I was, at, I was actually at the gym today working out, and next thing you know, all the different apps, whether it's the MLB app or it's the ESPN or CBS Sports, they all start. I'm just, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. the guy we just saw Saturday. We just saw him pitch Saturday, and he's now dead. Tragic. Absolutely tragic. But once again, tomorrow is promised to nobody. We will get on with the show, and we'll be thinking about the Angels and the family of Tyler Skaggs throughout the show. Paul Hembakides will join us. He is the producer for ESPN's Get Up. He supplies ESPN with some of the great nuggets in all of sports. You talk about guys that you steal from on Twitter – he is definitely one, like our, like our girl Sarah Langs. There's certain people that you steal from on Twitter because they have just unbelievable information. Yeah, he's one of the guys. Burt Blylove in the Hall of Famer is going to be here at 5 o'clock as we're getting you ready for truly one of the coolest, interesting, whatever you want to call it, series of the year, the Athletics taking on the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota, the Minnesota Twins are an absolute juggernaut. They are 53-30. and 30. They've hit the most home runs in baseball. They lead their division by eight games. And before you look at the, before you look at the wild card standings, I'll do it for you. The A's right now are just a half game back of the second spot. The Texas Rangers tied with the Cleveland Indians. Boston now is two back. The A's are right where they want to be. Because it's going to be a sprint. As soon as that All-Star break and everybody gets back from the All-Star break, it's going to be a sprint to the finish line. Later on this week, we'll talk to David Force, the general manager show. What are they working on to help this team? But right now, your ball club is right in it. So the Hall of Famer, Burt Blylevin, with the great curveballs in the history of the game, will be here at 5 o'clock. The voice. And how funny is this? I can't wait. I, I, I said, Ken, are you going to come on the show tomorrow? He says, not unless you're doing it from Pleasanton. <laughs> he is going to be on the show. The voice of summer, the voice of your athletics will be here at 530. Former athletic Travis Blackley will be here at 6. And one of my all-time favorites. When you think of national guys that I've been in, you know, like I tell people, I've been doing this since the late 90s. I don't think from a national standpoint, I have interviewed anybody more than Rob Nyer. I've been having Rob on since the 90s. And he's worked at a bunch of different spots, whether it's ESPN or Fox. or. But Rob, when you think about somebody who is a historian of the game, 
We'll get into his book that he's recently written about Powerball, and it has to do with the A's. The A's are actually in the book. And we'll go over a lot of things with Rob Nyer, truly one of the great baseball writers. All of his books are fantastic. He's one of the best in the history of the game. So that is going to be him and Keaties is going to be here at 4.15, Bly Levin at 5 o'clock, Korak at 5.30, Blackley at 6, and then Nyer at 6.30. Well, a, a lot of talk right now is about Matt Chapman. And finally, finally our guy is getting recognized. He's going to be the first A's third baseman to represent the ball club in the All-Star game since J.D., Josh Johnson, in 2014. He is the only American League player this season with 50 runs scored, 20 doubles, 20 home runs, and that joins Josh Bell, Javier Baez, and Freddie Freeman in the National League. Nobody in the American League has that. And I had this for you yesterday, which I didn't know was going to change after Matt Chapman had the the homer in the fifth, the triple in the eighth, the double in the ninth, six RBIs. I had the nugget yesterday that out of everybody in baseball, he's fourth in war for position players. But with that monster day yesterday, I mean, think about how good his year has been. This is really going to tell you how good Matt Chapman has been. With that day yesterday, the three extra base hits, his war jumped up to 4.4. Only Cody Bellinger and Mike Trout have a better war for position players. He passed Christian Yelich. A lot of people think Christian Yelich, I mean, it's either going to be Bellinger or Yelich is going to be the MVP in the National League. Are we going to start looking at Matt Chapman? Forget the Platinum Gold Glove. Forget the All-Star. The biggest prize of them all. The MVP. If the A's go on a run, are we going to be talking about Matt Chapman being an MVP candidate? There haven't been a whole lot of third basemen ever to win the MVP. It's a who's who's list. And if you go to the top of that list, first guy was my grandfather in 1947, was the first third baseman, Bob Elliott, to win the MVP. Since you've had some really good players, Hall of Famers, you think of like Mike Schmidt and George Brett and the guys that have won it from third base. I think Eddie Matthews got one in there. There's not a whole lot of third basemen that have been the MVP. Matt Chapman right now. And the great thing is, the way he's playing right now, It's analytics that help us understand how great some of these players are. Because if you looked at the traditional numbers, you'd say, oh, well, Matt Chapman's, what's he hitting, 270? He's only hitting 270. Well, we're finally in an era to where we look at that and we go, no one cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that Matt Chapman's hitting 270. Not worried about the batting average. Worry about the production. Worry about the extra base hits. Worry about if he's getting on base. Is he driving in runs? Is he hitting home runs? I can't stop saying it. Ever since David Force, David Force put this seed in my head, and I can't get it out. Ball goes far. Team goes far. I told him I was going to steal it, and he said he stole it from somebody else, so he's okay with it. Yeah, look at the Twins coming to town. Ball goes far. That team goes far. But it's been a phenomenal, and and he's so well-deserved. 
I wonder if Frankie Montas getting popped led to him getting because there's a lot of good candidates. I, I, I think whether Frankie gets popped or not, I think the numbers prove out. When you have the third best war in all of baseball, you may not like war, whatever, but it, it, you look at all the numbers, it's like I mean, he's, he's amazing. Plus, he's been arguably one of the best defensive players the past couple of years. Because right now, Bellinger right now Bellinger's leading the world in the defensive run saves. Uh, that's the same thing that Chapman did last year. But Chapman still is by far one of the best defenders. And you realistically, and I know he's not playing shortstop, you could say he's the best infielder in the game. And I don't know if, how many people caught this the other day when we had Marcus Simeon on A's cast live from the field and Marcus said he has the best range. Think about your shortstop just said your third baseman has the best range. When do you ever hear that? Okay, coming up next, Paul Himbakides works for ESPN. He's the main producer for Get Up. He's going to have a bunch of great nuggets for us. But this is the day that we all look at and we celebrate this one player because it's absolutely ridiculous. He hasn't played in years, and he continues to get paid. We're going to say happy, what do we call it, happy birthday? What do we call it, Cody? I'm not going to give the guy's name yet. Oh, yeah, see, I only know it from the guy's name, so I don't know. It's happy blank day. I'm just going to say that. How dumb can the New York Mets be? And I'm not even talking about now. Talk about how dumb they were back in the day. You're going to find out right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. I have a nugget that I have to get to you today that's going to blow your mind. You're just going to go, I had no idea. I really have no idea. I almost want to give it to Himbo. That's his nickname, by the way, Paul Himbakides. You hear him on different podcasts, also on ESPN. He is like the master of stats. That's why you got to go follow him on Twitter. He is phenomenal. I'm telling you, he's one of the guys we steal from all the time. And they have these big research staffs. You can follow him at Paul Himbo. And he's a great guy to follow on Twitter. Do we have him? Paul, how are we doing this afternoon? Welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Oh, what's up, guys? How are we doing? I appreciate you having me. Well, I, I, I was just telling the audience that they need to follow you on Twitter because you're a great follow and that we steal from you all the time. All the time we're taking <laughs> off your Twitter account. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you saying so. I'm actually much less impressive in person. My Twitter is a much better representation of what I can provide. But I have to admit to your audience, I wake up at 2.45 in the morning here on the East Coast because I uh, – I work on ESPN's morning show, so I must admit, I don't watch a whole lot of Oakland Athletics baseball live, but I'm still happy to be here to nerd out with you guys for a few minutes. Can I give you one that you can use? Please. Since I take from you all the time, I'm going to hand over oh, yeah. I'm going to hand over a nugget for you. You ready? Hit me. Liam Hendricks, who has now become the A's closer, in 23 of his last 24 relief appearances, He's allowed one earned run for an ERA of 0.31. Mm. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's a heck of a number. Uh, Hendricks has been outstanding. Outstanding for those guys on the back end. And as I'm sure you guys have talked about on the show. It has really enabled 
um, the whole pitching staff to fall in line. It just makes everything so much easier when you're so uh, when you when you're so confident when your guys can provide on the back end. He has shoved, and it's really nice to see him find a niche for himself back there. I love what you put out there today because it's Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Every July first, <laughs> Bobby Bonilla gets one point one nine million, and you put out there that Bobby Bonilla this year will make more than 21 players that made the All-Star team, including our own Matt Chapman. How crazy is that? <laughs> it's, look, I, I'm here in New York, so the Bobby Bonilla thing every every year is like the gift that keeps on giving, and it's going to keep giving for the next, you know, forever, like, until 2035, I think it is, right? So um, the Mets are, are, are a laughing stock, um, you know, here. The, the, and even though, like, this obviously has nothing to do with current, uh, you know, team ownership and what have you, team management, I should say. Uh, it's still the funniest thing to me that every single year, Bobby Bonilla is making more than all these studs that are going to the All-Star game. Chapman's making close to, to, to 600000 Pete Alonso, who plays for the Mets now, is making uh, like five fifty. dollars 50 <laughs> These guys can go to the Home Run Derby and double their salary where Bobby's collecting paychecks. And, um, and I mean, he, that, that's – like, I need that guy's agent, and I think you'd agree with me. That's, 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 that's good work if you can get it. I, 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 just think about the business side of it, Okay. So mm-hmm. Bobby Bonilla at the time was owed $5.9 million. The Mets agreed to pay annual payments of basically $1.2. So essentially, instead of paying him $5.9 million, they decided to pay him $30 million over 25 years. That's like the dumbest business move I've ever seen. <laughs> It'd almost be as dumb as, you know, like hiring an agent without any front office experience to be your general manager. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like that. Uh, <laughs> I guess. I guess I guess they have bigger fish to fry over there at this point. That that one point one nine, it can't sit well, but it's going to sit well a lot better than that that money they got left to Robinson Cano. That's for sure. So we've had Dr. Meredith Wills. She's the one for the Athletic who wrote the article about the ball. She's actually local here, right around mm. Fremont, California. Now everybody's having her on. It's a it's a fantastic read on the Athletic. And yesterday, the Commissioner of Baseball over in London finally said, yeah, the ball is going further than ever before. It has less drag. How have you guys at ESPN been taking all these record home runs? What we're seeing, I mean, baseball, I'm 29 years old, but baseball is unrecognizable, even to, to people in my generation. And I don't think that's a good thing. I think the numbers back it up right now. Like, you know, they say chicks take the long ball, but right now attendance per game attendance is on pace to be its lowest mark in a season since 1996. That's, that's on the heels of the player strike. So it's not as if that injecting all this uh, offense into baseball has been a good thing. I'll provide you just a few numbers to contextualize what we've seen here so far. June finished with 1,142 homers, the most in a calendar month in the history of the sport. It broke the record that was just set last month, okay? That's abnormal. On a per-game basis, the league is on pace for the largest year-over-year home run jump since 1976 to 77 and the second largest ever. And we're not talking about the dead ball era being last year, last year with the fifth highest per game home run total ever. So we've seen an enormous jump, even what was uh, in an already inflated environment, so to speak. And the league is batting 337 and at that's not ending in strikeouts, 337. Some piece to be the highest mark in the season in major league history. To me, none of that stuff adds up. I don't get the overwhelming sense that the public is in love with it either. It, it, it kind of reminds me of golf, and when golf had the problem where basically Pro V1s, Titleists, and all the different golf balls and all the different clubs were so juiced that balls were going as far as they've ever gone. They started making these golf courses obsolete. At some point, the governing bodies, whether USGA, PGA of America, they had to say, listen, we've got we've to tone back the equipment, and they did that. 
So is this something that you think would be best for baseball to say, hey, Commission, I know you like all the home runs, but we've got to tail back the ball. Uh, well, yes, I, I do think that the ball needs to be needs to be changed. I mean, the, the, the themes on the baseline are almost acting as wings. But you're seeing guys get the ball up into the jet stream. And Joe Maddon's been on the record a few times this year saying, like, I've been in baseball for 40 years. I've never seen anything like this. And he's right. I do think that the baseball, from a manufacturing standpoint, they need to go back to square one with it. Because it's, it has totally changed the way that, that we're, we're viewing the game. It also changes the way that pitchers can manipulate the strike zone. And it's, it's produced uh, all sorts of wacky uh, you know, numbers like I – just provided, but I also think that Major League Baseball should consider other options as well. Uh, I don't think I, I could definitely be talked into a conversation regarding lowering the mound, and I could also be talked into a conversation regarding um, pushing all the fences back. These fences, uh, these these ballparks that we have now, are even smaller than the ones we had 50 years ago, and and the balls flying all over the place. Like this, to me, is very unnatural. If you if you had ballparks, let's say, standardized in such a way where Every, you know, we, we set, you know, minimums down the lines and in center field. I would not be surprised if you, if you had these hitters that are now swinging from their heels, realize, you know what, I can't hit a home run, you know, by accident, by accident anymore. Excuse me. Like that, to me, is another thing to consider, whereas, you know, changing the ball obviously is something you can do. But that, that might require a lot because there, there are so many variables that go into that. And Major League, this could have happened without any sort of uh, acknowledgement from Major League Baseball. You know, like in, in a manufacturing process, anything could change just slightly. And the whole thing could be out of whack. If you made bagels the same way every single morning, but you changed your ovens, you know what? Like, those bagels might not taste the same, even if you didn't change your recipe. To me, that's what's happened here with the baseball. Yeah, very similar with golf again. They started moving the tea boxes yeah. box. Mm-hmm. The, the tea boxes started moving back to make to make it longer. So uh, something's going to – I really believe by the end of the year, when we see these numbers, that'll just be crazy that, that something's going to happen. I wanted to get into Matt Chapman because, as you said – you know, obviously you get up early, you do a morning show. Are people really starting to realize, though, around the country, now that he's made the All-Star game, last year he won not only the Gold Glove, but the Platinum Gold Glove as the best defender in all of baseball. Are people around the country starting to realize how good Matt Chapman is? Perhaps. I'm not sure that on a national level, though, he still um, garners the respect and credit that he deserves. I own an unpopular opinion here, actually, at least in the national scope. In my opinion that he is already the best third baseman in the game. I think he's better than Manny Machado. I think that's clear. I think it's better than Nolan Arenado, which in, in the opinions of a lot of people is not clear. And those guys are collectively making, uh, you know, $600 million over the course of the next decade. But this guy is better in my, judge, in my judgment. I think the numbers support it. He leads all players regardless of position with 39 defensive runs saved over the last two seasons. Evan Longoria ranked second among third basemen during that time. He's at plus 15. Matt, there's a chasm between Matt Chapman and the next best defensive third baseman. But in my judgment, the, 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 the area in which um, Matt Chapman has improved the most and, and the, the position that he's been able to jump to now uh, from an uh, overall standpoint has obviously been with his bat. Since June 1st of last season, the only American League players with a better league-adjusted batting line are Mike Trout, Alex Bregman, and J.D. Martinez. Literally, that is it. Obviously, his numbers are slightly suppressed from playing at O.co, but – what has really made all the difference in the world to him is his ability to hit to the opposite field. I, you probably see this every day. I noticed on the highlights, so I dug into it a little bit this morning. But in 2017, he slugged 393 going oppo. Last year, that was 509. And this year, he's slugging 814 on his batted balls to the opposite field. That's a, those are Bugs Bunny numbers. He's obviously found a niche in his game that's really worked. I credit. Uh, obviously, I mean, he has obviously made extraordinary adjustments, and also the the hitting coaches there that and all the, the you know the data people because I know he's I'm sure being 
inundated with that information, but he's really allowing the ball to travel and driving the ball to the opposite field. That has quite literally taken him to be, to be one of the top 10 hitters in the sport. And this is already a guy whose baseline as a defender was among the very best in the game. And let's go back to your neck of the woods, the New York Yankees. So right now they're, 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 they're on a couple streaks that are unbelievable. One, they've homered in 31 straight games, which is a record. And this one's even crazier. Their streak now after beating up on Boston, they have now not been shut out in 164 straight games. Now, the record, you got to go all the way back to the 1931-33 New York Yankees. They didn't get shut out for 308 games. But when I, <laughs> when, when I, think, about, when I think about these two streaks, not shutting out the Yankees and the Yankees hitting a home run every single game, I, I got a feeling these streaks are going to go for a while. Uh, I tend to agree with you, especially when considering they've played a lot of their season at less than full strength, which is just absurd. But obviously it goes to show that uh, Brian Cashman has done an outstanding job in assembling a deep group that Aaron Boone can can utilize. Um, but also when you have pockets that deep, it allows you to do that. That's really the benefit. And I think the best representation of that quite clearly is D.J. LeMahieu. D.J. LeMahieu has been a godsend for that team, a $24 million contract. He has produced more wins above replacement than any player to change teams in the offseason. He quite literally has outproduced from a war standpoint um, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado combined, whose contracts, uh, when you add them up, are $630 million. C.G. LeMahieu signed a two for 24. He has been unbelievable. To me, like, the, look, the Yankees, uh, the depth that they have shown, the, the line of construction has been outstanding. But this is a guy who is going to be in the MVP debate, in my opinion, and is, is right now trending towards becoming the first player in the history of Major League Baseball to win a batting title in both leagues, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, when I saw that today, I'm like, no one's done that before. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the year he's having is is unreal. And, and the thing that I think about with the Yankees, because everybody just thinks of the Yankees about money. And it was in 1998 when Brian Cashman called Billy Bean and was like, "What is what's this analytics thing all about? What is all this data you got going? And Cashman and Bean have been friends for a long time. Since that time, there is no question the Yankees have beat up beefed up their analytics team. I believe they have 20 full-time people in-house. Talk about how it's just not money. They're using the data, too, to win. Uh, yes, that's absolutely the case. And the, their decision-making over the last, uh, I would say, handful of off-seasons has been a perfect representation of that because they've not splurged in the free agent market uh, You know, with, with the Manny Machados and Bryce Harpers of the world, as many thought that they would. In fact, Last year, they, you know, they, they went, uh, went up head-to-head -head against the, the Red Sox in the playoffs. It was the first time since George, Center bought, uh, George Steinbrenner bought the team in 1973 that the Yankees' payroll was lower than a postseason opponent. It's remarkable. But they've not splurged the same way that other teams have. And that responsibility, uh, coupled with you know, the, all the data mining that they've, that they've done, has – look, that, that, like, that's truly the formula. That's truly the formula. I mean, you can spend $150-plus million every year on your payroll – and also fully staff an analytics department, that, and and then obviously have that trickle down to the, you know on the field the way they've been able to do with Aaron Bone in a way. Frankly, they were not able to do with Joe Girardi. That's a sustainable formula, and I think that's what you're seeing with the Yankees here uh, in a way that a lot. Of, look, we know that the Yankees are always going to have that reputation, but like you said. In the post-Steinbrenner era, that really isn't fair when you look at the numbers. Hembo, you're the man. We appreciate you stopping by and taking time. We know you get up early in the morning, and your show is fantastic. We'd love to have you on throughout the baseball season. I appreciate you saying so. Let's talk again soon. That's the guy right there, ESPN's number one show. He's the producer, nicknamed Hembo, and he comes up with some great stuff. How about that? Over the last two years,
Matt Chapman, 39 defensive runs saved. But I got to go over that nugget I just gave you on Liam Hendricks. I don't think a lot of people realize how good he has been. That number that I just gave you and that we gave Hembo is unreal. We'll talk about it right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. From the town. And you can text us at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. Okay, so maybe Matt Chapman, and, and this is the scary thing for me, is... Matt Chapman wants to be a star. He wants to win, and he wants to be a star. And we had his agent on, and we've heard from him. And when you say, hey, do you want to sign an extension? It's always like, well, you know, it's a business deal, and my family and my agent. That's why they got to get this ballpark done, because Matt Chapman wants to be a primetime player. And here you're hearing a guy that works for ESPN going, yeah, not really. We think of him as a budding star. Maybe a lot of people outside of our region, outside of our division, you say Matt Chapman and they say who? Now, you got to change that. That's kind of something that's on you also. You know, when you get on the big stage, when you play in New York, when you play in Boston, when you play in an all-star game, you know, you go hit a home run into the all-star game and you play some great defense – a lot of people around the country are going to be watching. I can tell you a lot of people don't know this, and I was actually giving this to my guy Shooty Babbitt yesterday when he was on CSN, excuse me, NBC Sports California. Do you understand how good this is for Liam Hendricks? So you take out his opener stuff because he's not a relief pitcher when he's the opener. He's a starter. No matter how you want to define the opener, is our guy Ryan Stanek going again tonight? We'll have to get into our our new favorite player here on Ace Cast Live. Ryan Stanek, the opener. Close friend of the program, as we like to say. <laughs> he came over and talked with us when the Rays are in town. We got to keep up with him throughout the year, Commander Cody. Got to bring him back on because we're not going to see him again. You guys just check in with him every month. He was a really cool guy. But Liam Hendricks, in 23 of his last 24 relief appearances, he's got a 0.31 ERA. That's all-star worthy. I mean, literally someone needs to get this number to the people who are going to be deciding who the next all-star all-stars are based on guys not going to the game so yeah it was great having a tv show yesterday announcing all of the uh announcing all the all-stars but some guys are not going to go whether they're hurt whatever the deal is liam hendricks really has pitched himself into that conversation a 0.31 in his last 24 relief appearances. That basically means he's given up one run. He's been not only the most effective guy for the A's, but he's been the most effective guy in baseball. It's crazy, and it's crazy that I got to figure this thing out. 
The number's unreal. Absolutely unreal. Also unreal. Seriously, this has to be like the dumbest business move I've, I've ever heard of. The fact that Bobby Bonilla basically gets paid $1.2 million every single year on July 1st. And it's from 2011 through 2035. They only owed him $5.9 million. So basically what they said is, Bobby, we don't want to pay you the $5.9 million. What we'll end up doing is we'll pay you $30 million over the next 25 years. At the time, Mets ownership was involved with, wait for it, the Wilpon boys were involved with Bernie Madoff. And they were a part of that whole scandal, and that scandal was supposed to, that, that was supposed to make these guys so much money, they didn't care. If that Madoff account would have delivered for them, oh, my God, they would have made so much money, like so many other people. Doesn't work out like that. So they made this deal. Were they paying basically $1.2 million every single year? You could have paid him five point. Oh, no, by the way, they've also negotiated 8.8% interest, so it would probably be more than $30 million. You'd rather pay $30 million long-term than five point nine up front. My San Jose math says that's not a good idea. My San Jose State math says bad idea. Really, really bad idea. And this is not the only deferred contract he's got. I don't like Bobby Bonilla. I had a run-in with Bobby Bonilla. He was, uh, he's really an ass. But I got to tell you, whoever his business guy is, his second deferred contract plan with the Mets and the Orioles pays him 500000 a year for 25 years. Those payments, they, they began in 2004. So we looked up a couple of these deals. How about Brett Saberhagen, the old right-hander for the Kansas City Royals and the Mets? The Mets, they're the biggest deferred guys we've ever seen. Brett Saberhagen will receive $250,000 a year from the Mets for 25 years. Those payments also began in 2004. Max Scherzer will receive $105 million total from the Nationals. That will pay him through 2028. Manny Ramirez is still getting paid by the Red Sox. Manny will collect $24.2 million from the Red Sox through 2026. And this one, wow. I got to look this up really quick. Bruce Souter. When was the last time Bruce, if anybody remember, Bruce Souter was the great closer, Hall of Famer, had the unhittable split finger fastball. He hasn't played in forever. He's 66 years old. When was the last time he played? His last time he played was in 88. 88! Bruce Souter signed a deal with the Braves before the 1985 season with deferred money. He was to be paid $750,000 per year while with the Braves. And then for 30 years after he retired, he received at least $1.12 million per year. The Braves will pay him through 2020. He received a $750,000 figure from 89 to 90 because he retired two years left on a six-year deal. 
So his 30 years of the other installments didn't begin until 1991. Bruce Souter is still getting paid by the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> I often wonder, somebody has, to, somebody has to authorize these checks, right? And the one that I've really thought about lately, it's the Pablo Sandoval, where they basically told Pablo, just, you're overweight, you're terrible, get out of here. And I can't remember how much, because how many years did he play in Boston? Was it one? Was it two? But somebody has to look at that. Like, management will move on. But somebody in accounting has to look at the amount of money that is going to Pablo Sandoval and authorize that to go to his account. And he doesn't play for the organization anymore. What was it, like 80-something million they told him? It's something like 80-something million to, to walk away. See you later. I'm going to look that up right now. I mean, it, it, I mean, somebody has to be in accounting going, this is really the worst move, business move. I mean, it, it's, it's so much money. It's crazy. Okay, so here we go. So how many years did, how many years did Pablo have? And uh, I'll look it up real quick. Two and a half years in Boston. So Pablo Sandoval played in Boston in 15, 16, and parts. They told him to go away in 17. So looking at, so in 2017, they told him to go away. He was making $17.6 million. So 2018, he made just over $18 million from the Red Sox. 2019, this year, he makes just over $18 million from the Red Sox. And then next year, it gets even better. Pablo hasn't been there since 2017. Next year in 2020, the Red Sox have a buyout on the contract for $5 million. <laughs> Pablo, Pablo's getting $5 million next year. Because his contract's done and they, they've got to buy out the contract. So not only is he basically stealing $18 million this year, $18 million, oh no, $18 million last year, $18 million this year, he'll steal another $5 million from the Red Sox next year when they got to buy out his contract. Oh, my God. Major League Baseball teams waste so much money. And Okay, here's something that will blow your mind. I'll have it for you next about Major League Baseball teams. And really, you, you, this probably goes with kind of any professional sports franchise. We'll talk about next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. The Hall of Famer, Burt Blylevin, is going to join us coming up here at the top of the hour. We'll get you ready for a little Twinkies and Athletics starting tomorrow out at the Coliseum. So this is something I've, I've had a hard time getting my hands around for years. So check this out. I understand people will say there's different budgets. Companies have budgets. You have budgets for all your different whatever you want to call 
you have a budget for everybody, right? You have a for all your different departments. That's a way to put it. And so everybody's got a different budget. But for me, the bottom line is you have money. And and and, and you'll be willing to spend money on dumb things, but you'll be the cheapest on the littlest things. And I've seen it where you hear like, uh, they wouldn't pay for that. Oh, but they just blew $10 million on a bad player that everybody knew you shouldn't sign him. Think about how many bad signings there are in professional sports on a consistent basis, but yet organizations will not step up. Like, like take the A's, for instance. Look at everything the A's have done. They have spent money to make their product better in the stadium. This is the model. When you're going to move from an old stadium to a new stadium, before you go into that new stadium, you fix up the old stadium. You make it better. You make people want to come in. You make them want to be a part of your product. So when you unveil that new stadium, they're already in the house because they like the Coppola boxes and they like the treehouse and they like A's stomping ground. The A's have spent millions of dollars to better their stadium. The old regime would have never done. I wouldn't be, me right here, you're listening to me, working for the, there's the old regime, there's no way they would have paid me. They were so cheap. But yet they'll blow $10 million on Ben Sheets. I guarantee you, in my tenure, I am more valuable to the A's than Ben Sheets ever was. And they didn't pay me $10 million. They would have never even thought about bringing me on board. Oh, my God, that would have been a salary. Oh, my God. I mean, how much is – you paid Ben Sheets $10 million. You paid Billy Butler $30 million for three years, and Billy but- – that's $40 million I've just found. $40 million between two players of wasted money, for example, and that – and it's every team. It's every team. Teams won't do what's best – Teams won't do, and this is in every sport. You want to go into bad Raider contracts? How about bad Warrior contracts back in the day? By the way, the Warriors are taking a big hit, huh? Should, should, should I give my little thing? I knew about this over a year ago. I knew Kevin Durant was leaving. I had a connection inside to Kevin Durant's family. Wink, wink. And my old station, which is the flagship station, I said, hey, I have this. He's not coming back. Don't bring it up. I was silenced. Don't bring it up. Because what they wanted was they wanted everybody to just be fanboy and be like, oh, Durant's going to be here. Durant, why would he leave? This is the greatest situation. I've known for over a year Kevin Durant was leaving. I've already been through firestorms on Twitter and breaking stuff. I broke the story a long time ago with Hugh Jackson firing his staff, and it was a national thing. It was a nightmare. So after I did that and I had all these people calling me from all over the country, I got out of the breaking news business. But I had this for the old station. They knew I had it, and they suppressed it because they just wanted to kiss the Warriors behind. I've known for over a year Kevin Durant was not going to be here. But then again, I'm not in that world anymore, so I don't have to worry about it. These home runs, by the way, we'll ask Burt Blylevin about it. These home runs, wow. Most home runs in a month. 
We broke the record this month. 1,142 June 2019. The record before that was, as Himbo said, last month at 1,135. The record before that, you had to go back to 2017 when they set the record. 1,119 in August and 2017 in June, 1,101. They all broke the record of the steroid era. When you're blowing by the steroid era, (laughs) (laughs) May 2000, 2000, this is, I mean, you're so knee deep into the steroid era, everybody's juicing, allegedly. Pitchers, hitters, everybody. You know the best part about the steroid era for me is the one guy no one wanted to believe was the most accurate of them all, and that was our old friend Jose Canseco. Everybody, Jose's lying, Jose's this, Jose's just trying to make a buck. Jose was right. That's why all these guys should be in the Hall of Fame, because the playing field was level. Somebody was on something. There was so much stuff out there to take. 2,000, no one's testing. I mean, seriously. If you weren't taking something, I, I really wonder what that, what, what, what that percentage is. That you weren't on anything. I'm just taking creatine. I'm just, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to max muscle and getting some protein. Right. Everybody in your locker room looks like a defensive end, and you're not doing anything? Really? Now, everybody is starting to act like this is a problem. I don't know if it's a problem. I can't say that it's a problem. People like home runs. People like touchdowns. People like three-pointers. I got just I I just got done for the last two years hosting the Warriors. I hosted the Warriors to two NBA titles. I don't remember anybody complaining that the that everybody's bombing threes. When Steph Curry pulls up from Jesus from wherever and bombs a three, nobody was complaining. Is anybody complaining when uh when your football team scores touchdowns, who doesn't like touchdowns? Whoever has anyone ever said, hey, "We score too many touchdowns. We score way too many touchdowns. We need to score less touchdowns. Less touchdowns will be interesting. It'll be it'll make the product better." I, I I've never heard that. So I, it may be one of those deals again where baseball people don't like the records being broken. They have such a hard time with it. These hollowed records that we try and hold on to that other sports really don't. Like what 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 football record are the historians hanging on to? Everything's been obliterated. Touchdown passes, touchdowns in a single season. Tom Brady, Ladanian Tomlinson, Jerry Rice shattered everything. What, what what record in football are they holding on to? Do you got one? The Miami Dolphins' perfect season. But that's not a statistic. That's, that's just that's a record. That's the only one I can that's ever think of. That's wins-losses. 
because every record's gonna be like every record that Peyton Manning set, Drew Brees is gonna shatter, and then the ne- Patrick Mahomes might well, shatter no, all I mean, those. Tom Brady will shatter all those. Yeah, most wins you know we saw far like all the records of Favre and Manning set, they're all gonna be broken in the next. You know, if they're not broken, they're gonna be set in the next five years. I mean, they're now looking at in the NBA is can anybody catch Kareem? But no one's holding on to that like, oh my God, stop shooting threes because we gotta protect Kareem's record. Maybe all the baseball dorks just need to lighten up and enjoy the ball flying out of the ballpark. More souvenirs for the fans. I mean, I've never sat and watched a game and said, there's just too many home runs. They're, they're, home runs are exciting. What was the number? Himbo gave us that one number that was really impressive, that hitters that are not, if you take strikeouts out, hitters are hitting three thirty-seven in baseball. You would think that there was record runs being scored. There's not. There's not record runs being scored. It's just how they score them is a little bit different. But it's not record runs. You want a team that hits jacks? You, you Chicks dig the long ball? You know who they're di- digging? The Minnesota Twins. Because nobody has hit more home runs than the Minnesota Twins. We're going to talk to a legend. This guy had one of the greatest curveballs in the history of the game. Hall of Famer Burt Blylevin will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. One on and miss, and Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Cannot wait for Burt Blylevin, one of the great pitchers in the history of the game. He's a two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, American League strikeout leader in 1985, pitched a no-hitter in 1977. Burt Blylevin, the Hall of Famer. He's also in the Minnesota Twins Hall of Fame. They retired his number 28. And we're going to talk a little bit about this series that's going to be huge. The Athletics up against the Minnesota Twins. The A's. Well, we know they hit jacks. There's no question about it. And after that 12-3 victory yesterday over the Angels. So the Athletics on the season have 133 total home runs. While the Twins have 157. That's absolutely unreal when you think about target field. Target Field is is it's not a bandbox. That's a big yard. And to think they have 157, this is going to be an interesting series between the Athletics and the Minnesota Twins. And we now welcome one of the great pitchers of all time, the Hall of Famer, Burt Blylevin, joins us here. Burt, thank you so much for taking the time to join A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. 
Uh, no problem. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing great. It's great to have you on our program again. We've had you for years on the A's pregame show, and I was I was telling everybody out there that when you think of Burt Blylevin, you think of one of the truly the great curveballs in the history of the game, and I would think if you were pitching today, what would it be like if we were talking about your spin rate and your spin efficiency? <laughs> you know what? I've been broadcasting a long time. I really don't get into that. Uh, you know, uh, the hitter pretty much lets you if it's good spin rate or not. If he swings and misses, it's probably a good spin rate. If you hang it, we probably hit a long way, and then that probably wasn't very good spin rate. So I don't play into that uh, spin rate stuff. And really, the, all of the, a lot of the analytics that are in the game today. Yeah, I've talked about this with Ray Fossey, and you know Ray. He, he, he says all the time, that the hitter will tell you if you have good stuff or not. Amen. You know, sometimes in the first inning, they let you know you don't have very good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you got to be excited about this series the way we are. You know, I haven't seen the Twins yet, and both these ball clubs hit a whole, like, a whole, whole lot of home runs. This is going to be a fun three days at the Coliseum. It should good. It should be. Uh, you know, the Minnesota Twins are on a good roll this year. They, they uh, have a nice, comfortable lead in the American League Western Division. They added a lot of veterans like Nelson Cruz and C.J. Crone, uh, Jonathan Scope, uh, Marwin Gonzalez, along with, you know, Buxton's and the Snows and Polanco. Uh, it's a very, very solid ball club, and the pitching's been very consistent throughout the summer. Yeah, that's one thing you always look at constructing a team is you're going to have to have veteran guys that have been there and done that. You're going to have to have guys that are in their prime, and it's always good to have the youth. It just seems like the, the Twins, as you just said, are built the right way to be successful in 2019. Well, what you need is veterans to mentor a lot of the young kids, like uh, Nelson Cruz. You know, he can mentor uh, Miguel Sano. Sano's got so much potential, but... You know, there's a lot of ups and downs throughout a career, and Nelson Cruz has gone through that. So he can help these young kids, the Buxtons and guys like that, realize that there's going to be good days, there's going to be bad days, and as long as you keep your nose to the grindstone and you work your tail end off, hopefully things will turn around if you're going bad. And I'm thinking about your guys' lead in the Central. It's an eight-game lead over the Cleveland Indians, and – this year, the trading deadline is going to be different than we've ever seen before because there's no waiver wire process after. So basically, there's no safety net there for you to pick up players if you don't get anybody by July 31st. So what do you think the Twins need to improve themselves and really give them a better chance in the postseason? I think uh, Derek Balby and Thad Levine, the uh, two general managers uh, for the Twins, I, I believe that's they're going to try to strengthen the bullpen. You know, in today's game, pitchers, starters, are go, if they go five or six innings and shut the opponent down to one or two runs, quick, they're quickly out of there. And then you need, uh, you know, you need a seventh and eighth, ninth inning guy. The Twins really don't have a legitimate closer, at, even though, you know, Taylor Rogers and Blake Parker right now are the two that have the most saves. But there's six guys, uh, you know, with the Twins that have saves. So, Rocco Baldelli's doing a great job of maneuvering the bullpen along with Wes Johnson, a new pitching coach. But I think it's just a matter of if they could get maybe that ninth inning guy, 
it's going to set up everybody else. They know what their role is. Yeah, when they announced Rocco as the manager at 37 years old, the youngest manager in Major League Baseball, we know covering him as a player, he was a really bright guy. Obviously, he's, obviously he's pulling a lot of good strings with 53 victories, but uh, what has it been like to watch him as a young manager? Well, he knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, he's got good people around him. Uh, you know, and, and I think that's the thing. He came into spring training. I'm with the pitchers and catchers the first two weeks in spring training, and I saw how he runs camp. You know, these, we're, we're talking about grown men here. They don't have to be told what to do. They know what they have to do. You don't have to spend four or five, six hours on a baseball field in spring training. You come in, you get your work done. As long as you get it done, you're out of there in two or three hours until the game starts. So, he, you know, he didn't play too long ago, so he knows the importance of what it takes to get ready for the season and that positive attitude. And I think with the four guys that I named, the veterans, they brought that positive attitude with them. They've been to postseason, so, you know, Rocco wants to get there with these guys. Yeah, so much about baseball these days is getting the buy-in. I hear that all the time when we're talking about the teams that are really good and even the teams that are rebuilding. Talk about that, what you see in modern-day baseball, where there's a lot of different things you're feeding these players, and they need to buy into what you're trying to preach. Well, I think you see it here in Oakland. You know, Bob Nelson, the American League manager here last year, uh, you know, this is a, an area that, uh, you know, through Billy Bean and, and his, uh, you know, entourage as far as the analytic people, they've done a great job year in and year out putting, uh, you know, the product on the field, whether it's a veteran or, or, you know, somebody just coming up. I mean, look at Chapman. Chapman just uh, got into the All-Star game. He's a guy that uh, really, uh, you know, kind of shined through the minor league system. That's good scouting. Hopefully baseball doesn't get rid of scouts. That's the thing to me because all these analytic people come in and they – they don't actually go out and watch kids play. They look at video. And sometimes you have to know what's in that kid's heart or, you know, what's what's in his gut. And sometimes you can't see that through a video. No, I totally agree. And it's what the Houston Astros are doing. And a lot of people go, this could bite them in the you-know-what long term. It's so important that I get to – I can see what great stuff a young Burt Blylevin has, but I need to know, is he a good guy? Does this guy have character? Do I want to have him in my clubhouse long-term? And you're right, Burt, that's nothing, that's nothing you're going to see on a video. No, you, you want the characters in the game. You know, I had a lot of fun when I didn't play, when I didn't pitch, but you know, between the lines, you know, you want to be the best competitor out there. You want to kick the other team's butt. So that's the attitude you have to have. You have to have the heart, the desire, and the will to want to go out and do it day in and day out. And Polanco getting the nod for the All-Star game, I'm sure everybody was pretty jacked up for him for that. Well, they were, you know, and then also Jake Odorizzi, a 10-game winner this year that only won seven last year. He's going to represent uh, as far as a pitching side, but there are definitely some guys that should have been on that are not. A guy like C.J. Crone, you know, had a good year. Nelson Cruz could have been on there. Uh, the biggest one, I think, is Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario, I mean, he led this ball club from day one. He's on the injured reserve right now. But I tell you what, he, he's, he put this club together on his back for a while. And he's a guy, to me, that's kind of being overlooked for the Hall of, or, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the All-Star game. Let's end on this. And I remember this back in the day in 1979 of course the we are family pirates you helped the pirates win the world series but in that year as a pitcher 
you had 20 no decisions. That's the most that we've ever seen in baseball. What's a season like that when you're all about wins and losses and you get so many no decisions? Well, I mean, that's just the game the way it was. You know, I pitched a lot of close ball games, or I, maybe I left and, you know, in the National League. I wasn't a very good hitter. So come sometimes come the sixth or seventh inning uh, with the game on the line, of course, Chuck Tanner was going to hit for me. So well, there were a lot of games that were close that either, uh, you know, went one way or the other. Somewhere down later in the ball game, they tied it up. Uh, whether it was in my favor or against me, uh, you know, that's where the no decision comes. But the main thing in 79 is we won. I think I was 12 and 5 that year with uh, 20 no decisions, but we won the World Series. That's the bottom line. Bert, thank you so much for the time. Truly an honor having you on the program, and we'll see you tomorrow at the Coliseum. Okay, looking forward to it. Thank you. Bert Blylevin, the Hall of Famer, right here on A's Cast Live. How cool is that? His curveball. Go look at videos. His curveball. Like, he had the type of curveball that you could say, curveball's coming. Everybody in the ballpark knew the curveball was coming. And you're just not going to hit it. I mean, that, it was 12-6. It was spin. His spin rate must have been, you know, you talk about spin rate and spin efficiencies. His, his would have been off the charts. And he's one of those guys that's in the 3,000 strikeout club. That's a lot of strikeouts. He won 287 games. He had 242 complete games. It's just when you go back and look at the great pitchers of their era, and you think of how many innings they logged, you think of how much they... How are these guys going to... This is what's... You know what? I'm more worried. Where are we? It's 512. I'm going to tell you what I'm more worried about. Everybody else is worried about home runs. I'm not worried about home runs. People like hitting home runs. Hitting home runs is fun. I wish I could go back and hit home runs again. Okay, here's the deal. Home runs aren't the long-term problem. I'm going to tell you what the – it's not – I'm no doom and gloom. Baseball is fine. But if I was commissioner, I don't know how you change this. But this is something, time of game, and this is what I'd be like, eh, I think we need to work on that. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Okay, so as I'm interviewing Burt Blylevin, the Hall of Famer, here on A's Cast Live, Cody, my producer, Commander Cody, is like very distracted and very very happy and I'm like what are you doing you just booked the greatest competitive eater in the history of competitive eating and not only is he a legend nationally he is truly one of the great San Jose State Spartans who have you booked at 615 Joey Jaws Joey Chestnut will be joining Ace Cast Live at 615 He's probably in the top five greatest San Jose State Spartans, uh, you being number one, and then Mark Langston being on the list, and a few other guys. Joey Jaws, probably number three. He's a uh, he's the greatest eater in the world, greatest eater ever. He ate a record 74 hot dogs last year at the Nathan's uh, Hot Dog Eating Contest. That's equivalent to 29.4 slices of strawberry cheesecake. Just think about that for a minute. So Joey Chestnut in 2018, we got to talk to him about the amazing race. He uh, did not finish well on that. 
That's a show that I, I watch. I, I watch with my daughters. We're big, amazing rate. We're behind, so don't tell me who won. We're behind. We have like three more to go. Joey Chestnut won his 11th Nations Hot Dog Eating Contest, July 4th. His 11th. He will go for number 12, July 4th, which is what day? Is, when was it? Uh, that'll be Thursday. It'll be Thursday. Someone said to me yesterday, because after we got done, of course, whenever you have plans to do something, game was going along great, and then it just came to a grinding halt. I had a pool party to go yesterday, so of course the game's going to go for three hours. No, it just can't go for two and a half like it was on pace for, because the end of the game, ha- literally, I got done with my hit yesterday. Th- this is You want to know how long the game ended up being yesterday? I got done with my hit in the fifth. I drove over to the gym, full workout, did a half hour on the pre-course. I did an over-hour workout. I got home still in the eighth inning. I could top that. Did you watch that game Saturday between the Yankees and uh, Red Sox? And oh, my God. Oh, my God. Seriously. The first inning took an hour. Seriously. Sorry, 59 minutes. An hour. We, we, we will talk about the London games, and I think it was a hit. But it just goes to show you got to do something. I mean, four hours and 42 minutes in game one, second game four hours and 24 minutes. Are you kidding me? Seriously. There's nothing anybody likes to do for four hours. What, what, what in entertainment do you want to do for almost five hours? You don't want to see a movie that long. You don't even want golf to be that long. Golfers complain all the time, like, speed it up. You want to be five hours? You're playing a baseball game for five hours? They cut off beer hours before the end of the game. Hours. I don't know if they cut beer off there. They may not. They probably just let them drink the whole time. But, my God, four. Hey, this is our great game, the American pastime, four hours and 42 minutes. So if I was the commish, what I would do before we get to Ken Korak, I guess this wouldn't be a commissioner saying it's probably a bad idea. But. We now are such pansies with our pitchers that these kids don't throw. Oh, my God. He went five innings. We're not teaching these kids how to – we're not teaching the we're, – the way we're doing it, unless someone a lot smarter than me can prove me wrong, we're teaching them to be throwers, not pitchers. We're teaching them just it's all about the radar gun. It's about getting up there and throwing as hard as you can. And if you get into trouble, oh, no, you get into trouble. Don't worry. We're going to come out and get you. We're going to rescue you. It's kind of like fighters. Now, the, the, the sport of boxing, you know, I don't know how much anybody's into it anymore. But remember back in the day with boxing, they'd line you up 20 just cheesecake fights, right? 20 just no. So all of a sudden, this guy's 20. He's 20, you know, and now he's fighting in Vegas, right? And then the guy would go out and get his you-know-what whoop because he hadn't fought anybody. He had basically 20 stiffs that he fought, and now you're building him up for pay-per-view, and he actually has to go out and fight a real fighter, and he loses because you just wanted him. It was all about making him undefeated. We've seen that so many times. Where you want that guy to be 25 and 0, 28 and 0, and now he's the headline of a card in Vegas pay per view. And everybody, we're paying a, you know, 69 bucks or whatever it is for a fight these days. And then the guy goes out there and he, he gets whooped. 
He's got a glass jaw. He's never had to. He's never had to battle. That's our pitchers now. Our pitchers they 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 don't learn to pitch through adversity. They don't learn like all of a sudden if a guy's in trouble in the minor leagues and he's got X amount of pitches, he's gone. They don't allow them to. They don't allow them. That's why I. God, I think it's important that you go to college. Because in college they're going to put you out. You're going to have to pitch. You know, Vanderbilt, Stanford, Texas, Florida State, whatever. These guys, you're going to throw innings. And it's so funny. Oh, my God, those guys are throwing too many innings. No, they're learning how to pitch. They're learning to pitch through adversity. They're learning to pitch. If they've given up a couple runs, guess what? You're still out there. Get outs. Nowadays, these guys give up a couple runs. Boom, they're out. Go look at the minor leagues. It's like, oh, we're trying to build up Jesus Lazardo. He went five. Really? I want to see Lazardo go seven or eight. I want to see all these. What did Nolan Ryan say back in the day with the Texas? Pitch limit is off. I want to see these guys throw. And what it does is it makes them two things. It makes them mentally and physically better. That's why when you look at these old guys like Burt Blylevin and you look at their numbers, it's like, oh, my God. Some of these they, these guys' numbers, they you've got to learn how to pitch without your best stuff. That's how you complete 242 games like Burt Blylevin. Now, I, I'm not expecting guys to go out there and throw 353 innings like Nolan Ryan back in the day. <laughs> I mean, but seriously. Oh, where are my notes from yesterday? This thing about the Angels, I was like, this thing about the Angels yesterday was, it, it was like, oh, you want to know why? <sighs> I got to find it. So I had this note on the Angels about how their rotation has thrown the fewest innings going into the third ro- the third rotation of the uh, of the order, third time through the order, they have thrown the fewest amount of innings. And I looked at that and I went, "Well, now you know why the bullpen's getting beat up." They don't. No, no one want. No, no one wants. No one wants their starters going deep anymore. They're, they're too afraid. They're too afraid of uh, of that the starter is going to get beat bad. And it's like, yeah, that is really. That is really not a good strategy long term. Yeah, it works in the postseason, but is that really going? How long? How is constantly going to your bullpen every game early going to work for you? We've talked with Bob Melvin about it. It truly is that that dance of how long can you get your starters to go versus burning out your bullpen. When have the A's played their best baseball this year? The A's have played their best. Actually, it's inside. I know it's inside. The A's have played their best baseball this year when their starters go deeper, when they give you at least six. If you're constantly going five and dive, I mean, wouldn't you like? I mean, wouldn't you like to see a guy actually go six, seven innings? Well, yeah, Brett Anderson, seven and two thirds. That was great. That was fantastic. Mike Fires, six and two-thirds. Go deeper in the game. 
But unfortunately, these guys are not learning how to do that in the minor leagues. They're being babied. That, that to me, is more alarming than the home runs. The home runs, once again, whenever you say this is bad for the game, home runs are not bad for the game. Touchdowns are not bad for football. Three-pointers not bad for the NBA. Stop it. Everybody's going to be fine. Coming up here, we're going to have Kent. Now, Kent Korak said yesterday, because I said, you're going to come on the show? And he goes, only if it's in Pleasanton. And then I made the joke, only if it's from Castlewood Country Club, where he is a member. And he laughed. I don't know how you booked him, Cody. He claimed that we had to be in Pleasanton at the golf course to get him. But, oh, but we got Ken Korak. The voice of your Oakland Athletics, the voice of summer, will join us on A's Cast Live next. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. Joey Chestnut, 615. Took down 74 hot dogs last year at Nation's Hot Dog Contest. Hot Dog Eating Contest. Wow. 74. Two more than the year before when he set the record on Coney Island. We'll ask him how he trains, how he gets ready. Is he already back east? He is back east. So it's going to be 9.15 his time. Didn't I wonder how much beer he can drink. Can you imagine that? Those competitive eating records are crazy. Like there's a guy or gal that has the, re- that has the record for mo- the most mayonnaise you can eat in a certain amount of time. Can you imagine someone just, what is your talent? I can woof down an incredible amount of mayonnaise. But they got it for everything. Wings, oysters, cake, milk. <laughs> I can drink more milk than anybody in a certain amount of time. That is what God gave me. That is the skill that I have. So King Korak is going to join us in moments. The question will be, is he on the course or is he not? But, of course, we're going to start uh, with the news, the sad news coming out of Texas. Tyler Skaggs, at 27 years old, has passed away the Angels left-hander. Do we have Ken? Ken, good afternoon. Welcome to the program. Hey, Chris. How you doing, man? Good. And and, and just I, I, mean, I always want to start off having a good time, but we, we got to ask you about this. I'm sure you were – as shocked and, and saddened as all of us were when we first heard about Tyler. We just saw him pitch on Saturday. Just horrific news for the Angels in Texas. Terrible news. They did the right thing by canceling the game, of course, tonight in Texas, Chris. And like you said, I mean, it really hits home for the A's because he faced them on Saturday night. So uh, it's 27 years of age. And, uh, no, it's just a, it's a terrible day for the baseball family. Yeah, it's it's one of those where I mean, at least you're glad you hear there's no foul play. It wasn't suicide. I, I will get the after the autopsy. We'll find out what happened. But you know, just being on the road with the team, and I travel with the Raiders. You've been doing this for a long, long time. I just can't imagine what the, what, what that would be like. Because when you travel together, you're like a traveling party. And if someone passes away, I mean, it's just devastating for your season. And he came up in their organization. He's only 27. He's a local kid from up in Santa Monica. And although he got dealt to the Diamondbacks and dealt back to the Angels, there are guys in that club he came up with in the minor leagues. So, uh, 
Uh, you spend more time, honestly, Chris, during the season with your teammates than you do with your family. So um, I can only imagine how difficult that was. I'm not sure who made the announcement to the club. I imagine they got together in their clubhouse, and you know maybe it was the manager, Brad Osmus, but I can't imagine a more difficult uh, thing to have to do to uh, to make that kind of a an announcement, a statement to uh, to his teammates in the aftermath of what happened today. Yeah, and it's so tough to think about his young wife and family and what they're going to go through. Yeah. So our thoughts and prayers uh, are out to yeah. them. Well, after the game yesterday, I asked you if you would be on A's Cast Live, and you said only if I was coming to Pleasanton. So I'm trying well, to. Well, that's figure... where I live. I, I figured we could do the show together. We could sit, you know, next to each other, maybe have a bite to eat, something like that. So. So are, are you done with your round of golf then? <laughs> I, as far as this is to believe, I actually didn't play today. Really? Um, I can't say that. I actually played five holes. <laughs> um, I literally played five holes this afternoon. But, you know, we had just played 16 games in 17 days, and sometimes if you have a day off and then the A's have six more, including only three at home, there's stuff you got to do. So there's uh, – you know, had some responsibilities today, too, Chris. So I got a note for you, and you can use in the broadcast tomorrow, and I'm sure we'll talk about it actually tomorrow when I have you on again with the uh, A's Clubhouse show, is Liam Hendricks in 23 of his last 24 relief appearances, because you got to take the opener stuff out because he's not a reliever when he's the opener. So 23 of his last 24 relief appearances, he's only given up one earned run. That's an ERA of 0.31. People are not talking about it, but my gosh, how good has Liam Hendricks been? Well, he's still legit. He would have been a legitimate. I'm sure he was a legitimate candidate to make the All-Star team. Didn't make it, of course, but uh, they don't usually take guys who are middle relievers. But uh, he's been so important to their club, as you know, Chris, because first of all, the bullpen had been struggling. Uh, if the pen, and you can't compare bullpens from year to year, but. Uh, if they were anywhere close to where they were last year, the A's would be 10 or 11 games over 500. So uh, when Blake Trinan went on the DL, it was just it was not only replacing Trinan. They really need someone needed someone to step up and, and shut people down, uh, which he did. So it's been a great story. And yeah, you can throw out that one opener. He pitched uh, what he pitched one inning and allowed two runs, but uh, he, he really has been sensational. And you know, it's fast. He's throwing 97, 98 miles an hour. And like Bob Melvin has said, he has a better breaking ball this year. And so uh, the high-velocity fastball, the better breaking ball, uh, it's been a great combination for him. Yeah, wasn't that uh, long ago where he was DFA'd? We talked about the, the date of June 25th last year. He was DFA'd. And what has happened to him since that time? You mentioned the fastball. You mentioned the breaking ball, starting the playoff game in New York, and now basically being the closer. It's been a remarkable study to uh, – to watch Liam yeah. Hendricks grow in front of our eyes. The other thing is it's interesting with the Twins coming in because the Twins were his first organization, and they gave him a lot of shots, Chris, as a starter. He just didn't make it with them. And we always, he didn't, you know, we always knew back in those days that he had the arm. But for whatever reason, and maybe it was eventually shifting the pitching out of the bullpen, but he would go up and down between AAA and the big leagues with Minnesota, but uh, he was he really never able to stick with those guys. Well, we had the Hall of Famer on Burt Blylevin before you, and I was trying to tell everybody, hey, if you never got to see this guy pitch, he truly had one of the great curveballs of all time. And I, and I started talking to him about spin rate and spin efficiency. He wanted no part of it. <laughs> I listened to that. I actually heard some of that. That was really good. It was great to 
have Bert on. You know, he's one of the great guys in the game, and he is uh, kind of the polar opposite of what we talk about with starting pitchers today. And I heard your um, your segment before I came on, and, and we were talking about that on the broadcast yesterday, Chris, and that is uh, the teams like the Angels who kind of favor this. Well, we don't really want our starting pitcher to, to face the opposition's lineup the third time through. And I, I, and I made, the, made the comment on the air. I, I just don't think that's a sustainable model at all. I don't think it's, it's even close to the, the, the direction that I think you should go as a ball club. Now, there may be an, an occasion where, where maybe there's one pitcher you have that just, I mean, the numbers are glaring, but I don't, I don't like the philosophy. And I asked Bob Melvin about that, and he said he's, he's more concerned the fourth time through. Now, I buy that, right? I mean, I'm sure you, you agree. Like, fourth time through, uh, you're not even getting into the seventh and eighth inning normally. And now your starting pitcher might really legitimately be tired, but I don't want to breed pitchers who feel like all they need to do is throw five innings and beside that, you're going to fry your bullpen, Chris. You're going to have to have a 20-man bullpen. Yeah. I mean, your bullpen is going to be your, your major league team and your triple-A team. So, you know, I just – you really want your pitchers feeling like if they get in trouble in the fifth inning, even in the sixth inning, they're not looking over their shoulder thinking, if I make a bad pitch, I'm coming out of the game. Yeah, you talked about sustainable model, and I like how you put it that way, and really – the only way this will work long-term is if they add more roster spots, and that could be coming with the new CBA where, you know, you got to give and take when you're baseball in the Players' Union, these negotiations. So we possibly could see now where the bench is going to be, what, 27, 28 guys on the roster, and then you could add more relievers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just a, just a footnote to our discussion, I mean, if it, it's up to – I think if the manager takes a look at his starting pitcher, and now he's third time through, and he really is legitimately concerned. And the guy's losing his stuff, and you know that he's tired, and you feel that's the best time to take him out. I think that's that's the right way to go about it, rather than having kind of a, an ironclad philosophy that you have to adhere to. Uh, you know, it was interesting. I don't know if you heard Rob Manfred on the, the ESPN telecast from London yesterday. Um, he categorically said, and maybe there's a little uh, positioning here because um, he'd like the Players Association to be on board with everything. He said that there'll be there'll be 26 players on the rosters next year. He said 26 and 28 in September, and that you'll have the the reliever will have to come in and face three batters when he comes in. So I'd never heard him talk about that in those kinds of direct terms the way he positioned it yesterday. You know, he also talked about the drag on the ball, and, and we all know right. we had Dr. Meredith Wills here. She, she did the great article on The Athletic, how the ball has changed, and we had a record amount of home runs in in uh, this past month, June 2019, set the record 1,142. And I think there's a lot of old-school people that say it's bad for the game, but I think in other sports, Ken, no one's ever said there's too, much tu- there's too many touchdowns, uh, there's too many three-pointers. People like offense. Do you think there is a problem, or the fans, they love home runs? Well, I don't think there's a problem itself in itself with the home runs. I do think it's a byproduct of it, and the emphasis on the home runs and launch angle and the, the de-emphasis, the, the, you know, they've been de-emphasizing the importance of a, of a strikeout like it doesn't matter that much anymore. anymore. Uh, I think it's a byproduct of the home runs because strikeouts are up and walks are up. And so there is a, in, in them taking them at face value, Chris, there's nothing wrong with home runs. But I do think there is a concern over the lack of action and the whole thing about the, the three true out- outcomes. So that does concern me. 
Uh, I do think there's too many, there are too many walks, too many strikeouts. And I think one of the reasons for that is the emphasis on the home runs and the fact they've de-emphasized the strikeouts. Yes, and we're seeing the teams that are very successful the last five years, the teams that actually made contact, struck out less. The top five, the, the, the teams the last five years have won the World Series. They've been in the top five of making contact percentage, and the team coming into town, they hit a lot of home runs, the Minnesota Twins, but they don't strike out a lot either. No, and they put the ball in play. And the other thing is if you can put the ball in play, Chris, and you have guys who can maneuver the ball around because of all the shifting, now you've really got something, too, because that's a whole other element that we have. And I'm thinking, I don't know if there's any way to quantify this, but if you're a left-handed power hitter and they shift on you all the time, maybe you're just thinking, well, there's no reason for me to hit a ground ball or hit a line drive anywhere. I might as well just try to hit a home run and over the shift. But I think the hitters that can make the adjustments on the ball outside and take the gimmies, and, and work on putting the ball in play because you can get a lot of hits that are almost freebies against the shifting now. We're seeing a difference this year with right-handed hitters being shifted on, but the, but the, there's a difference, though, because when you have someone like Matt Chapman, when a left-hander's up, he can basically, with his great range, you can put him basically at shortstop. But when you're shifting against a right-handed hitter, the first baseman cannot come all the way over. He's still got to be closer to first base and to protect for a ground ball that he's going to have to catch. I mean, a, a throw that he's going to have to catch on a ground ball. So we have seen whether it's Chris Davis, Josh Fegley did it in the Anaheim series where right-handed hitters now just have to hit an easy ground ball to second base, and it's a guaranteed base hit. You know, it's an excellent point you make because, like you said, the first baseman has to be close to the bag. And the other thing is the first baseman aren't nearly as nimble Generally, I mean, there are some, but Matt Chapman can play shortstop in the big leagues. He can take care of the whole left side. So, um, you know, that the point you make is, is an excellent point. There's no question. How big do you think it was for Matt Chapman to get the all-star nod and, and what that really means inside that clubhouse? Well, I think he's the leader, even though he's a, he's a young veteran. He's not a veteran by any means. Uh, he is, he's taken on a huge leadership role with the club and Bob Melvin leans on him in a lot of ways. I think to, uh, you know, Chapman's one of those guys, he kind of has the pulse of the team and bull Mel, uh, you know, will seek his advice on certain things from that standpoint. Uh, like whether the other day when we were in Anaheim, he, he asked Chapman, can you check with the guys if you think they should hit on the first game of the series and hit or hit on the second game of the series. But that's kind of a small thing, but it's the way, it's the trust and the respect that Melvin has in Matt and the, the respect that Matt has in the clubhouse. So um, I don't think he had to, to make the team because I think he was going to make plenty anyway. If he hadn't, uh, he would have been thrilled for whatever teammate had made it. But uh, if he tell you this, if he, and I think we might've talked about this after the game, if he was, uh, you know, uh, pressing or trying to prove how good he was or try to validate making the team, you didn't see that yesterday, right? I mean, he doubles and triples and homers and drives in six. So, uh, you know, he's a phenomenal player. Like I said, uh, I've said this before, I wouldn't trade Matt Chapman if I were the A's for any other player in baseball, Mike Trout included. Yeah, some people may think you're crazy, but now we're looking just as let's Well, they think I'm, they think I'm crazy anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> he has the th- For position players right now in baseball, he has the third best war behind Bellinger and Trout. Right, and plus the, what he means to the club is the anchor at third base 
the two lowest percentages in terms of strikeouts for nine innings in the American League belong to uh, Brett Anderson and Mike Fires. Now, they both have 16 wins. It seems kind of incongruous. They don't strike out people. One of the reasons they're successful is because the A's have a great defense, and they have it anchored at first and third, of course, with Olsen and Chapman, and Simeon has just been phenomenal at shortstop. You got a little barbecue going tonight? Got a little something going, yeah. A little barbecue today, and uh, you know, get ready for the twin series. And I, I think it's going to be it's going to be a great series to see those guys come in. I, one of the things that I really don't like about the schedule is that you only you, the A's haven't seen them yet, and they're going to see them for three times this week, and that'll be the last time they're here. So, you know, I'm not I'm not thrilled the way the schedule works out, but uh, you know, the pitching matchups are great, Chris. So it should be a great three days. You have a wonderful night, and we'll see you at the ballpark tomorrow. Thank you, Chris. Talk to you tomorrow. The voice of summer, the voice of your athletics, Ken Korak, right here on A's Cast Live. Travis Blackley, the former athletic. Cody's playing in Mexico now. He's going to join us coming up here at the top of the hour. Some people question whether good or bad and did it work because they're talking about the London games, right? Now now we're going to overanalyze the London games. I'm going to tell you right now, it's good stuff. No matter how you slice it, growing the game and taking it overseas and giving our game to other places, is it's never going to be a lose. Now, Major League Baseball is going to lose some money on it, but no, they're not. In the long run, no, they're not. And one of the reasons why, really good article on The Athletic where they hooked up with some people that have been a part of the NFL. Now, this was great. This was great. So the Yankees game one scores 17 points, right? So there's been 24 official NFL games in London. Because back in the day, like my old partner, Bill Romanowski, like the 49ers would go over and play but they weren't official games. So there's only been 24 official NFL games in London. 15 of them, teams didn't score 17 points as much as the Yankees did. And uh, the Raiders, yeah, they're on that list. Both times the Raiders, they went and played the Dolphins and played Seattle last year. Both times the Raiders have played in London. They haven't even scored 17 points. The Dolphins one was the bad one, right? Head coach gets fired on the way back. That was a uh, that was a Dennis Allen. That was not a good one. So how about that? The Yankees scored more than 15 NFL teams did in London on the first game. And I, you know, the games are long. Yes, I get, but in the end, you're growing the game. And one of the things that Major League Baseball and I love this is that they understand. So this guy, what's a Mark Gannis, a consultant to the Yankees, said he was wowed during the two games that people were standing in the upper reaches of the upper deck. From his conversation with MLB officials, Gannis said baseball plans a, a major business effort like the NFL once the games are gone. Because the NFL stays in Europe. The NFL doesn't leave. There's a, there's, they have a headquarters there, and they got people who work there constantly promoting the game. So, yeah, you'll have the games over in London, and then the football season's over. No, they got offices there. They got people trying to grow the game 
in, 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 in the U.K. He says, quote, here and Germany also are going to be major. You know they're going to try and make them significant outposts. Germany is next. I would be so down to go to Germany with the athletics and watch A's game in Germany. That would be incredible. Like, Tokyo's incredible. This would be incredible. But this is the thing right here. Asked why, given the dearth of grassroots baseball play, Gannis replied, now this is the consultant to the Yankees. This isn't Chris Townsend. This isn't the A's, A's Cast Live, A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This is a guy who's a consultant for the Yankees. Asked why, given the dearth of grassroots baseball play, Gannis replied, sports betting. Sports betting? You can't bet on baseball. It's in the clubhouse. Pete Rose, it's the death penalty. You can't, uh uh-huh. Isn't it amazing what happens and how people can change legalizing certain things because they can make now make money off of it. Prohibition, folks. There was a time in this country you couldn't drink alcohol. Guess what? They figure out how they can tax it and make money off of it. Go ahead. Drink up. Remember when marijuana was such a taboo topic? Marijuana, and this was probably before even I was alive, how people viewed marijuana. (gasps) There is a, how do we want to put it? There is a store across from the Oakland Coliseum, a weed store. You can drive right outside the Coliseum. It's right there. It's right there. It's legal. While sports gambling has long been legal in Europe, the recent legalization in the U.S. has jogged MLB to realize betting on baseball overseas will increase interest. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting three betting parlors in the city, Gannis says from London. <laughs> Oh, let me read that to you again. This is the consult to the Yankees. This isn't Chris Townsend. This is, a, this is Mark Gannis. I hope I'm pronouncing Do you think I'm pronouncing that right, Cody? Gannis? Yeah. Gannis? He's the consultant to the Yankees. Says, quote, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting three betting parlors in this city. I've been to London. I was there last year with the Raiders, and I'm going again when the Raiders take on Khalil Mack and the Chicago Bears. How about that? Baseball brought the Yankees and the Red Sox to London. And they spent a time. They're taking a bath on the deal. It cost a lot of money. Everything that they did cost a lot of money. But the consultant of the Yankees is saying the reason why baseball is doing this, oh, it's it's to grow the game. It's to make the game a more world game, blah, 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 blah. As my dead father always said to me, follow the money. Always follow the money. They know that in Europe they love to gamble. Gambling's huge. 
soccer, cricket. They probably can bet on anything. They know that gambling is going to be huge in Europe. And I had that one article for you last week. I can't remember which guy it was. He goes, hey, listen, we've got more games than anybody. Football, you got 16. We got 162. Basketball, you got 82. We got 162. They're trying to get the U.K. and Europe hooked on baseball so they can make way more money because of gambling. Is it because of the good of the game? Really? I don't blame them. It's business. I'm not, I'm not, hey, I'm all, I'm all for it. I mean, do you realize they try and tell us working for a major league baseball franchise, we can't, we can't do fantasy baseball. If you're into fantasy baseball, think about that. They tell you you can't do fantasy baseball, but they're blatantly telling you about gambling and legalized gambling and how baseball wants in on the gambling business. Things are changing. I don't. I have a feeling as of next year, organizations are not going to be worried if you're uh, if you're playing fantasy baseball. Kind of seems ridiculous, right? When people who are working for teams are talking about the gambling, and but back home it's like, hey, hell. You, you can't have a fantasy baseball team that you paid $10 to get into the fantasy league. Yeah, but they want hundreds of millions of gambling money in Europe. Oh, by the way, you can't, have a, you, can't, you can't work for a major league baseball team and have a fantasy team. By the way, do you know who was the sponsor of the Tokyo Games while we were there? I want to see if it's on the ball. I'm holding my – I haven't taken it off. So I have a, in my hand – here, if I can – you can hear it. In my hand, I have the ball from the Tokyo Games, the opening series 2019. I kept it, and it's here in my home studio. Authenticated, it is a ball from Japan. It is a Major League Bay. It's still in the wrapper. I'll take the wrapper off. Cody, will you confirm in my hand that I have a baseball from the opening series? This is a Major League Baseball from Japan. Uh, confirmed. The ball is in your right hand as we speak. Do you know who was the sponsor of the opening series this year in Tokyo, Japan, between the Athletics and the Seattle Mariners? I don't remember the top of my head, but I'm going to say it's either DraftKings or what's the other one, FanDuel? It was MGM. Oh, so we got a, we got a casino. The casino company sponsored the Tokyo opening series because you know what they're trying to do? Outside of Tokyo, they're trying to create this, like, casino world where they're going to have all these casinos because there's 13 million people in Tokyo, and then the greater surrounding areas of Tokyo, there's, like, 46 million. You think New York City's big? New York City's small compared to Tokyo, Japan. And they're trying to create a gambling world outside of one of the largest cities and areas in the world. Yeah, we don't want you playing fantasy baseball back home, but we're going to let MGM Grand be the sponsor of the opening series. Pretty, pretty funny. Coming up next, a left-hander, former A, Travis Blackley is going to join us right here on A's Cast Live.
Fitting to get your group together to reserve the Budweiser Hero Deck. Located next to the right field foul pole, this awesome new space can hold around 100 people and a bunch of home run balls. With an all-inclusive buffet, now is the time to be the hero of your friends and colleagues by grabbing tickets and a cold one for a great day at the ballpark. For more information about the Budweiser Hero Deck, visit athletics.com slash premium today. It's time to grab your reserved space in the popular Connie Mack Club. The club space gives your group a private area located in Shy Park Tavern for the entire ball game. The Connie Mack Club features access to outdoor seating and includes a pre-game buffet filled with our highest-end food package. This area of the ballpark is perfect for 30 to 50 guests to kick back, relax, and enjoy the game. For more information about the Connie Mack Club and other group offers, visit athletics.com groups. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com future for more information. From sweet plans to single-game suites, there's nothing like premium hospitality and athletics baseball. New for the 2019 season, food and beverages are now included in all suites, plus options to create a three-game suite plan. Plus, select plans also include an A's Access membership, allowing you to attend every regular season home game. To learn more about A's Suites, visit athletics.com suites. That's athletics.com suites. If you're a baseball fan and a parent, you've probably had to explain to your kid that a 2-2 count isn't something a ballerina wears. As a parent or even a sibling, you may have also had to explain that a makeup game doesn't involve lipstick or mascara. But as a parent and an A's fan, we do hope you know about our new A's stomping ground. This awesome space is open and waiting for you. From awesome new games for kids to interactive activities, the A's Stomping Ground is right for you and your family. So the next time the kids want to know what a sandwich pick is or who got that 2-2 pitch, you will know it's time to go to a ball game and visit the A's Stomping Ground, a free area in right field for kids and families. Visit athletics.com slash stomping ground to learn today. That's athletics.com slash stomping ground. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. One and and Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Travis Blackley's going to join us as he's been tweeting about his former ball club. And giving Josh Reddick some love. I can't wait for my guy Rob. So we got we got 
Blackley coming up. We got the greatest competitive eater, one of the great San Jose State Spartans of all time, Joey Chestnut. He is going to join us at 6.15. And then one of my favorite authors and guests of all time, Rob Nyer, is going to be here. So when you look at competitive athletic people at San Jose State history, Bill Walsh is going to go up there as uh, obviously one of the top guys. You think of great baseball players, you got Mark Langston, you got Ken Caminetti, you know, football players, all kinds of guys. My guy, Jeff Garcia, Steve DeBerg. Is Joey Chestnut up there? As one of the great San Jose State Spartans? I would say so. He's I mean, he's 11 time. He's a champion. He's nation's a hot dog eating Coney Island. He's won, the t he's won the belt 11 times. It's Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Nathan, what did I say? Nations. You're thinking of the hamburgers. Oh, that, that, they're a great sponsor. Um, yeah, he is. He's a champion. How many guys from San uh, – no, shots. I'm from a small school in Pennsylvania, but how many guys are – like the only guy I share in common was Jack Zarenzik, the failed Mariners GM. Bill Walsh won three Super Bowls. We got Dick Vermeil. He won a – we have four Super Bowl for head coaches, San Jose State grads. So, you got yeah, you got those guys. I, I definitely put uh, Joey Chesson up there. Do we have Travis? Travis, are you there? Yes. How are you doing? Welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Yeah, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Where it's good to talk to you again. So, 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 what are you doing these days? Well, you know, still holding on to to the game a little bit, trying to uh, stay active so I can, uh, you know, help my uh, country's uh, team try and make the Olympics this uh, November. So, I'm just down in Mexico right now and. Uh, Trying to get a uh, just getting back into it recently, and uh, hopefully be joining this team uh, that I'm down here playing with at the moment. So you're going to be pitching there in the second half of your guys' season down there. That's the plan. Yeah, I've uh, only got here about a week ago, but uh, yeah, still kind of getting sim games, doing my own little mini spring training uh, before I uh, take the field with them. God, how cool would that be to play in the Olympics for Australia? That that just would it just be like the ultimate dream, right? And that would be the cherry on top. Yeah, I, uh, I was actually on the Olympic team in 2004, but I got called up for the major leagues uh, shortly before we left for Greece, and my team ended up winning the silver medal that year. So, kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of missed out on the silver Olympic silver medal, but you know, got another chance hopefully. Yeah, everybody talks about like it's one thing when you get to the highest levels because we've seen in the Olympics whether it's basketball or it's hockey. You know, or baseball, you get to the highest level, that's like the greatest thing. But it's like a whole different deal when you're representing your country in the Olympics. What do you think that will be like for you to put on that jersey and, and do the opening games and represent your country? Uh, it would be, be fantastic. I've, I've represented Australia on a, on a bunch of occasions, but uh, never quite at an Olympic level, you know, Olympics is, you know, very few. It's been taken out of the Olympics the last few years. So baseball coming back in now because it's in Tokyo um, is maybe my, it is going to be my last shot to play um, in the Olympics. And, uh, yeah, I just hope we can make it. So, uh, anyway, I will get to pull on the jersey in November in the Premier 12, which is uh, our first chance at qualifying for the Olympics. So hopefully it all goes well there. 
Well, one guy who has thrown the ball great for the athletics right now, and I know you follow him, a fellow countryman, is Liam Hendricks. Liam has just been lights mm-hmm. out. Talk about what, you, what you've seen with the right-hander and how good he has been lately. Oh, I mean, for years now, he's been uh, obviously one of the top bullpen guys you could probably get your hands on. Ever since he was uh, with the Blue Jays, I believe, he's been really lights out. Um, not to say he wasn't great with the Twins, but, yeah, I really kind of found his role. Um, you know, in the bullpen rather than starting and uh, got, a, got a bit more velocity uh, in that arm from, from when he was with the Twins. And, uh, yeah, it's obviously working out really well for him and the A's this year. Yeah, the thing that I think about guys that, that just don't give up, and you think about what Liam was last year when on, on June 25th he was DFA'd, went down to AAA, rediscovered his fastball, got the velocity up to about 97. Next thing you know, he's the opener in the playoff game against the Yankees. He's now closing. What is it about that thing in you guys, especially pitchers, there's that never give up. You always feel like you can still get people out. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I agree, man. I mean, I, I didn't find my fastball again. Not that I ever really had an overpowering one, but you know, the belief is still there. You know, you can compete at, at any level and get hitters out. I mean, you know, I, I, the chess players ever uh, ever get worse at chess as they get older. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, that's ultimately what it is, is a game, uh, you know, uh, with the hitter. And if you can locate your pitches and, and make the right kind of pitch at the right time, you know, anything's possible. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think we ever lose that competitive edge when it comes to a bet. You know, obviously, in today's game, a nice, uh, a nice hard fastball with a high spin rate is obviously required. So, you know, that kind of counts me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we saw you on Twitter backing up Matt Chapman for the All Star game, and just looking at what he has done and the fact that he is not the starter. You weren't happy that he's not the starter. You know, I'm obviously Alex Bregman is a great player and he obviously deserves the starting slot as well. I mean it's so hard to uh to choose between the two but I, I just think you know that I love personally watching Chappie play. I think he's phenomenal. Um I actually never have actually met him because he's with the organization after I left but yeah, being an A's fan, being with my, my family, my wife and her family in the Bay Area is totally an A's family. So, uh, you know, and obviously I feel like a part of the A's family too. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched, uh, I've kept in touch with the games and, and uh, watched how they've going. And I, I haven't seen a better third baseman ever. I haven't seen that guy's incredible um, with the glove. And obviously proved that last year by winning the platinum glove. So, um, and then obviously the bat, I mean, when you play in Oakland, everyone knows, you know, it's a bit harder to hit there. Obviously, Houston's a bit easier, and, uh, you know, with the lineup that they pack in Houston and the field dimensions and all that. But what a lot of fans, I don't think, uh, realize about Oakland is all the foul territory. You know, a lot of balls you get foul three, four rows back in, in Houston, they're caught in Oakland. So, you know, I think that definitely skews the, the numbers a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I honestly felt like he didn't get, get the recognition he probably deserved in that in that spot. And I thought the platinum glove last year would have shed some light on who he is to everyone else in America. So it's unfortunate for him, but I'm sure he'll be a starting uh, third baser in future All-Star games. 
I always talk about 2012 was just a magical year for this organization, and and people remember it so fondly. You won six games in 2012. What do you really remember about that year? Oh, I mean, obviously, game in '61. I think everyone, everyone on the days or uh, the dates, um, that exact date every year. I feel like my Twitter gets overloaded with uh, for me anyway. Just, and many Ace fans are sitting there saying that they remember that game. And, you know, one of the biggest things in my career and being trusted with the ball and such a big game was, uh, you know, I felt like it kind of uh, arrived, if you know what I mean. But, uh, no, I mean, that was obviously my biggest thing. And, I mean, obviously, it was just the team from Lottery. I never felt that with another team at that level. You know, the amount of walk-ups we had, the way that, you know, non big big name players were, you know, stepping up in the roles and kicking each other up and, you know, some of those players became big name players because of that. And I just felt like, you know, a family in that club house and uh, it was obviously the best time of my career. So miss it. <laughs> yeah, no, that day you went six innings, you only gave up one run, you got your sixth win. Grant Balfour came in with the save, number twenty four. That was do little to cook to Balfour. And then, of course, what happened on game 162 was so magical. Hey, thank you for stopping by. Good luck in the second half, and good luck with trying to make the Olympic team. And we'll check in with you soon. Yeah, man, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Travis Blackley. Yeah, you remember back game 161 against the Rangers as the Athletics would prevail and it would come down to one final game, game 162. But the A's would win that game on Saturday. They improved to 93-68, and 68, while the Rangers were 93-68. and 68. And it's the only time in the history of baseball that a team never led at any time during the year. They never led because game 162, they were tied. They didn't lead until they actually won the game, but the season was over. It's never happened before. Coming up next... He is absolute greatness, the greatest competitive eater to have ever lived. We're getting you ready for July 4th. We're smoking down hot dogs with Joey Chestnut right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I got to believe that Joey Joey Chestnut is in New York as he's going to look to win his 12th mustard belt. Last year, he won the 11th title of his illustrious career, Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, Coney Island. Each year, he keeps setting the record. That's amazing. He just keeps able to be eating more hot dogs. Like, it's unbelievable. So last, so 2017, he had 72. The next closest was 60. And then last year, set the record again at 74. Do we have Joey? Joey, it's Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics, also a San Jose State grad. And we met one time at a place very close. I know we live close to each other. The Office. A lot of people around the Bay Area might not know, but we met at The Office one time. <laughs> Yeah, we we definitely did. Uh, I I go to that place every now and then. Joey, I, I got to tell you, what you have done in your career, competitive eating. When did you know, like, you know what? 
I can beat all these guys and gals. It, it was a, uh, it was weird. I was, I was, it was before I even got started. It was like two years before I got started. Me and my little brother were watching, watching highlights, and we saw that Kobayashi had eaten fifty hot dogs. And he was like, "I think you could eat it, eat that many hot dogs." I was like, "Yeah, I probably could, but I don't really want to." And then the year, the couple of years went by, and then it was like, "Oh my God, it's on ESPN now!" And and then uh, and he was like, "Joey, I'm gonna sign you up to a contest." And finally, he signed me up to one, and I I did I tied for third, and and it just snowballed in, and I was like, "All right, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna beat that guy." And I uh, it was the goal. It was, it was so I was 21 when I first started, and then. I was 23 when I won the first uh, hot dog contest, and then uh, it just kept going. Yeah, so you've won 11 now, and, and, and I think about, you know, w- when you get to a point where you keep setting records, a lot of people don't understand, but there's so much training that goes involved. There's so much discipline. Talk about what you do to get ready for an event like this. Oh, this one, it, it's, it's weird because – it's changed over the years because uh, there's no books written about competitive eating. I had to figure out my own body. It was a lot of trial and error. And error. These days, I'm, I get into a cycle where I do a practice contest and I recover. And as soon as I can start eating, even if I'm not hungry, I'm going to start just eating lettuce and cucumber and super high-fiber foods. And I try to get back down to my initial weight. And then I, then I go back into the fasting mode. And then I, then I go uh, – during that, I'm just drinking water and water and – lemon juice and it's really pretty much a cleanse to get empty again and then i then i do another practice and it, so it, it's a it's a repeated cycle and i can do it probably once every six maybe five days if i'm if i'm recovering fast but it, it, right now it's like every six or seven days i can do a practice and when i was younger i could do a practice every every fifth or fourth day but uh now i'm older it's harder to get get back down to my target weight but uh and i'm, I'm able to still pay attention to my body and still hopefully make some gains this year yeah, that's what sucks, Joey. As we get older, the body changes, right? It's just not like when we were younger. It's, uh, yeah, it changes, but we, you know, we're, we're smarter. We know our body more than ever before, and we know uh, how hard we can push ourselves. Well, this is not the only – hot dogs are not the only thing you do. You hold records in, in other food groups, but is hot dogs the thing you're best at eating? I, you know, I like to think that if, uh, if there was – if. Like the, I lost a donut eating, the hostess donut eating contest earlier in June, and uh, I like to think that you know if it was it was as important as the Fourth of July contest, I wouldn't lose it. But uh, I'm I'm really good at hot dogs, and it's also the most important contest. It's the one that if you're a competitive eater, you have to you have to perform it. And I uh, I'm I'm really lucky that I like the taste of the Nathan's hot dogs, and they go down easy, and I can just turn it on, and, and it, I'm super motivated to just go to an insane limit. This has become such a big deal, and on Fourth, it's like it's like you've become the king of Fourth of July. What's it like the whole celebrity and just how your life has changed? Oh, it's it's so uh, unexpected because I it wasn't like I've said this before. It's like a baseball player knows they're going to be a professional baseball player when they're like eight years old. And that's their goal growing up. I, I was I was in college. I was getting my engineering degree, and I. Uh, and it I wasn't my goal to become the best eater in the world, and I didn't know that how much I would love it. And it, it, it's weird because people are like, oh, does it, does it get you get tired doing interviews and taking pictures of people? Like, heck no! I've, I've had a normal job. I had to commute to work and and answer emails about people, other people's money and stuff like that. It's uh, so I, I I'm right now I'm living the dream, and it, it's uh, it was so unexpected. It's a weird wave, and I, I n- never would have imagined it take me here, but uh, I'm I'm riding this thing out till the wheels come off. <laughs> 
and, and it's intense. I mean, I've never been there, but we watch you on television every year because obviously, you, you know, you know, you're one of our guys. You're a San Jose State guy. You're an A's fan, so we're always watching it. Just talk about how intense the the competition is, and, and all the people that really come from all over to watch this on Fourth of July. Oh, it's it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, not crazy, but it's it's so much. It's a great atmosphere. It's electricity in New York City and. I think 35,000 New Yorkers come out for it, and there's police on the rooftops watching, and it's it's uh, it, it, there's electricity, and it's uh, usually it's, it's stifling heat. I remember the first time I came there or came out here it was I would I'd never experienced East Coast humidity like this, and it was, it was just ridiculous. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's a special kind of heat, and it's it's electricity, and oh my god, and the people they're just yelling at me, it's either USA or Joey or and and I, I um. I'm not going to stop, you know, no matter what my body's telling me. Yeah, because you're going against people from all over the world. You're like an American hero now on the Fourth of July. It's awesome. It's yeah, it's 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 unbelievable, but it's fun, and it, there's a lot of happy people. This year we have eaters out of eater out of Japan, and another one out of England, and uh, so it's uh, it's international this year, and it's all around the country. These guys and girls are just they are just just pushing themselves to the crazy limit. Now, of course, this really beats up your body. How many days after do you start feeling right again? Oh, my God. It takes a good two and a half, three days to feel really close to right. And even then, it's uh, it's debatable whether I'm right. Uh, maybe I was never right to begin with. But uh, it's uh, it's like you get used to it. It's like a marathon runner goes into a race knowing that they're going to feel like garbage for a couple of days. And I, I go in knowing I'm going to eat the, for those 10 minutes, and it's not eating for fun or pleasure. I'm eating and I'm eating to win and I'm going to pay a price for it for the next couple of days. And, and, and the older I get, it, it's, I go to my doctor more and she, 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 she does my blood work and she's happy with the way everything's working out the, uh, so far. But, uh, it, who knows? It's, uh, that's something I really have to pay, te- pay attention to. Well, your celebrity led you to a show that I watch with my children. We love the amazing race. It's something I binge watch with my kids and we were rooting for you. What is that experience like where you're playing this game for a million dollars and you're playing this game and you're traveling around the world? How was that experience? It was, uh, it was, it was such a, I'm so happy I was able to do it. And it was, it was like being a kid again. You get these clues and you find out you're going to a place that you know very little about. And it's, it's just like a kid saying their dad, their dad saying, Hey, we're going to go to here this weekend. And you don't know where they're going. It, 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 it's, I, I was like being a kid again. I was just wide eyed and, anxious and excited i've never been so uh i don't remember the last time i had that adrenaline pumping for so long for for such a enormous amount of time and uh that show was and it was great just going to places like morocco and antwerp and that i would never have gone before so it's uh really opened my eyes up to people different places now, I, I've seen this list, and they have it out there, of everybody who has the record for all these different foods uh, for competitive eaters. Is there anything that you'd be like, no, I'm not doing that? Oh, my God. It, there's a couple. Uh, like, like the Rocky Mountain oysters, the bull testicles that are fried. I, I, I just I wouldn't do it. Uh what else? I, I I told myself I wouldn't eat brain, uh, cow brain, but I ended up eating cow brain tacos one time. And I, now I hold the record. They, they didn't taste bad, but they they looked like brains. But uh, what else? What would I not eat? Oh, oysters. I can't do the texture of raw oysters. 
Wow. How many records do how many how many different records do you hold? I think right about now it's uh I think it's forty one. Uh yeah. So I think the last new record I had was pepperoni rolls in, in West Virginia. These little little bread these little uh, pieces of bread with uh, pepperoni baked inside of them that the miners would take down in West Virginia. Uh, now I have the record in that. Uh, yeah, that's why I get to go around awesome places and eat local foods and just have fun. Well, you are the best, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the program. As a fellow Spartan, you know we will be rooting for you uh, on July 4th. And the next time I see you at the office, drinks on me. Oh, thank you so much. I'll, I'll definitely be back there. The great Take Joey care. Chestnut. 41 titles he owns. 41. 41. It's insane. He ate 74. He's ate 74 hot dogs. What's the time? Is it 10 minutes? 74 hot. You know what we need to do? We need to see how many we could eat. How many, Commander Cody? How many thing you? How many? How many hot dogs do you think you could eat in ten minutes? Um, I don't like the fact. See, because remember, they put the bun in the water that just basically turns it into nothing. And yeah, because it, it absorbs. Yeah, it makes. How many hot minute? dogs do you think? Because because once you do that, now you're just eating the dog. Probably between I'd say between ten and fifteen. I confidently. What, what's what's see the problem is we normally eat hot dogs regular. Yeah. So, like, you eat two hot dogs, and you're, you know, that's a lot of hot dogs. Like, I'd probably say the most hot dogs, like, if they're, like, a regular-sized hot dog, probably the most I've woofed down, probably three. But, once again, you're eating it with mustard, and you know. I think the most thing I've ever eaten a lot of was, I think I ate 32 boneless chicken wings before. But my buddies... This is all back in the day when we actually worked out and cared about our metabolism <laughs> yeah. and all this stuff. Uh, my buddies would eat like fifty wings. Like just a, we'd go to Buffalo Wild Wings and they eat fifty wings. You know, fifty boneless, wings, boneless wings. So it was a little easier oh, to eat them. Okay, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, but still, I'm sitting there. I'm eating like thirty, and they're at fifty. I'm like, how are you guys doing this? Back in the day, this may surprise you, but back in the day, I could uh, wolf down an extreme amount of beer. What What's changed? Don't say old age. No, I, 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 there's no way I could do it now. But back in the day, yeah, I could, I could, I, I could throw down a lot of food wise. What was I get? Like, I don't know if there's anything I could say I could eat a ton. Like, I could, like, I can sit in a casino all day long in a sports book and drink and eat and bet on football all day long. Like, we do that every single year during the Raiders' bye week. We, it started in, it started in Vegas. Then we got married, and wives didn't like us going to Vegas, so then it moved to Tahoe, and last year we moved it to Reno. But I can literally sit there from the start of college football in the morning and be there all day long, beers, cocktails, food, cigars, all the way to, like, the last football games at night and eat, the, eat and drink the whole time. But just sitting down, I don't know. Once again, they put the, they put the bun in water. So it disintegrates the bun. So now really only you're talking about is eating the hot dog. I think I could eat a lot of those, actually. Oh, I mean, I think we should try it. I think it should be an Ace Cast Live challenge. Okay, right now I'm getting re- I'm in. I'm in beach mode because okay. I got the beach house coming up. We'll save it for after. We'll have to do it after. Well, to mar- mar- we can make this a big social media experience for everyone to 
live stream and view if you're not listening on on AceCast. Do we want to do it on the field? Yeah, I think we can set. I mean, if they'll let us do that. Oh yeah, I can make anything happen. Come on. Maybe we can get Joey to come out and and watch it for us, and he can commentate on it. I want good hot dogs, though. If I'm going to do this, I want good hot dogs. All right. Well, we'll we'll make a list. Maybe so, I have to make the hot dogs here at my house and bring them, bring them to. Uh, you're not a fan of ballpark hot dogs. No, I like ballpark the hot dogs in the press box. I'm not eating those. Yeah. The exploding hot dogs. I'm not <laughs> eating those. I am not. I refuse to eat the. You may. You may. Um, you may not know this, but they have hot dogs for us in the press box that come out like in the second inning. I can tell you, I have made, we have a, it's Joey, Matt, and I, Libertore, and the great Matt Pearl. We have a bet about hot dogs. I said, I'm not eating any. And I have not had one this year. I will not, I'm refusing to have a hot dog. I'm just telling you that right now. I'm not, I'm going no hot dogs this year. I'm holding strong. We're almost through uh, the All Star break. I don't. I do not. I believe Matt Pearl has not had one. Joey had one somewhere, but it wasn't in the press box. So he's claiming that doesn't count. But to me, he is the leader in the clubhouse. Well, now joining us, he's been one of my favorites for a long, long time, and we've been doing a lot of radio over the years. And he came out with the book Powerball. It's a fascinating read. If you are a baseball fan, you got to get this. But all his books, you go to robnire.com and all of his books over the years. He's a baseball historian. He breaks down the game as good as anybody. The autonomy of a modern baseball game. And, yes, your Oakland Athletics are referenced in the book. Rob, thank you so much for coming on the program, and welcome to A's Cast Live, our new adventure here with the Oakland A's. I couldn't be happier to be here. I think uh, I think uh, the A's, A's fans deserve a show like this, and I think the show deserves a guy like you. Well, I can tell you one of the treats about reading your book is when all of a sudden I found the Blake Trinan uh, baseball card when I was reading it. <laughs> I tried to add a little something special for my friends. Yeah, so, you know, tell us about the book. And, and I, I think really, I mean, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it anywhere. Just uh, put in Rob Nyer Powerball. It's just you've been the forefront of, of looking at the game's history, but also looking at the game's change. Well, that's right. I mean, I, I actually think of all of it as being a part of the history. I don't know if it's a, if it's a gift or a curse, but I tend to see everything through that lens of historical perspective. So, as worked up as people might get about something that happened today or happens yesterday or might happen tomorrow, I sort of place it within that framework. And so, I, I see that all the things that are happening now is just a part of this incredibly rich tapestry. Of, of baseball history, and I, I try to take it as it comes. Now, granted, there are some things that uh, may about the, today's game that maybe uh, I'm not so wild about, but I try to take a step back and think about it objectively. And Powerball is really playing uh, more than ever before, as we saw more home runs hit this past month, 1,142, than we've ever seen hit in a month of baseball. Oh, yeah, it just broke the record of May 2019. And I know we've talked about the ball, and the ball has changed. But, Rob, fans love home runs. This isn't bad for the game, right? 
Well, uh, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, mean, I don't like to use uh, to categorically use words like good for the game, bad for the game. Uh, um, I, I'm not convinced that it's limitless in terms of how many home runs fans want to watch. I think that the reason fans historically have enjoyed home runs and strikeouts too was because they seemed special. They seemed extraordinary. Uh, I, I could be wrong about that. Uh, it's quite possible that there is no limit. Um, the pro- it's very difficult to study that sort of thing. You can do surveys, but that, those surveys aren't going to get you very far. Um, I, I really think that baseball needs to get together, uh, everybody, everybody at the table, the players, the owners, the media, essentially the, the networks, the TV networks, uh, and try to figure out what kind of game they want to see, what baseball should look like. That's how it always worked in the past. Um, they would get together sometimes and say, you know what, we've got too many strikeouts and not enough uh, run production. That happened in 19, after 1968, and they did something. But those meetings don't really happen anymore. Now they just sort of let things run their course, and I'm not sure that's the best way to run the sport. And I'm wondering, and Rob Manfred said it yesterday, or was it Saturday or yesterday, on the broadcast over in London now, there's going to be 26 guys on the roster starting next year. Do, do, do you see expanding the roster as something that baseball needs to do? No, absolutely not. Um, and I actually missed that news. I was in the middle of a, of a, a conference all weekend. I Somehow, I don't know how... Uh, I assume there are some details involved. I mean, he, my assumption when they talked about this last winter was that they would expand the rosters, but I think they also talked about somehow limiting the number of relief pitchers on the roster. Um, if that's not part of the plan, then it's a lousy idea because we already have enough pitching changes. Nobody comes to the ballpark to see a three-minute break while they change pitchers. And by the way, more pitchers also means more strikeouts. Fewer batted balls. You know, and my biggest beef with baseball these days, uh, and I still love the game, don't get me wrong, but my biggest beef is that the game doesn't have room for as many types of players as it once did. Ozzie Smith today would not be Ozzie Smith because he would make 25, 30% fewer plays because that's where the game is right now. There aren't as many, nearly as many ground balls because there are so many more strikeouts and home runs. Ricky Henderson would not exist in today's game. He would still be a great player, but he might steal 50 bases or 60 instead of 80 or 90 or in the one season 130. I mean, they have allowed uh, the home runs and strikeouts to crowd, strikeouts to crowd out all those other styles of play that, that uh, I think fans enjoy. I think, don't you, wouldn't you agree that fans enjoyed watching Ozzie Smith and Ricky Henderson in the 1980s? Yeah, I mean, we enjoyed Ricky for well over 20 years, and, and I'm thinking about, and I'm glad you said that because I would wonder if you had a great talent, an all-time great talent like Ricky Henderson come up today, would you say, hey, listen, stop stealing bases because, you know, Ricky did get thrown out a lot, too. He stole a lot of bases, but he got caught stealing. It's like they want you to stay on first because they don't want you to mess with the hitter because they want him to hit a home run. Absolutely. Uh, and, look, there were some years when Ricky Henderson's stolen bases were not worth a significant number of runs because he did get caught a lot. Most years, though, he had a pretty good percentage. And more to the point, 
again, I'm going to get back to, to, to this part. The game should be exciting. People should go to the ballpark and see some exciting things, maybe something they've never seen before. Uh, I, and look, we have plenty of exciting players right now. I was just in San Diego for the week over the weekend, and I saw Fernando Tatis Jr. play two games, and he's phenomenally exciting. Um, but he would have been even more exciting 40 years ago because he would have stolen more bases, and he would have been fielding more ground balls, making more great plays. So uh, as exciting as Tatis is, we're essentially seeing a, a shadow, a, a 21st century shadow of the player that he would have been in the, in the 1980s. I recently talked to David Force, the general manager of the Oakland Athletics, about the, how things have just evolved in baseball. When you talk about money ball, and that was about math equations, right? When you started looking at sabermetrics back in the day and where we are now in baseball with these teams dealing with radar and trackman and rapsado and these high-tech cameras, as, as they're using more science and stat cast, what is it like now when you go to these Sabre conventions? Because I know you go to these all the time. How has Sabre metrics changed over the years since we were at Moneyball? Well, the, the technology is the big thing. And there's a great new book. Obviously, I hope people read my book. Um, but uh, a couple of fantastic writers, Ben Lindeberg and Travis Sawchick, have a new book out called The MVP Machine. Uh, and it is all about, not all of it, but a lot of it is about the new tech, not the new numbers. There are new numbers, but they are the result of the technology. And you, you, you mentioned there's Rapsodo radar, uh, the, the uh, Edgertronic cameras. I mean, these, this technology is allowing teams to do things and players to do things that they've never been able to do before. Uh, pitch shaping is a, is a fun little category that is sort of a buzzword right now, and for good reason. Uh, so it's, it's become about, yes, scouting the other team, that's a part of it, but, but player development is hitting a completely different level than it ever has before because players are able to see exactly what they're doing. And of course, we really got a real hint of that a couple of years ago when, when launch angle became a big deal. Um, but it goes far beyond that, uh, especially for pitchers, which is why you think we're seeing a lot of strikeouts now. It, we're only going to see more. There is no end in sight to the rising strikeout rate unless, unless the, base, the game steps or the sport, um, people who run the sport step in and do something uh, because the pitchers are only going to throw harder and throw better. When, when, when I think about, yeah, and we had Shawchick on the, on the program, and when I think about – taking someone like Justin Verlander or Garrett Cole and the Astros bringing him in saying, we're going to make you even better. Right. That, that is really impressive. Player development. Yep. It's, it's the whole reshaping players and changing players. I, that, that it's, it's fascinating. It really is. And, and that is, that's sort of the new frontier. I mean, I used to think that the next frontier was probably going to be uh, player health. Uh, and, and there people have done amazing work along those lines, but it doesn't really show up because uh, all they do is keep them healthy so they can get hurt again and, and, and play a little harder. So they just keep pushing themselves so the injury rates are not lower than they were. Player development, on the other hand, we're seeing tangible results. And I'm sure Travis probably talked about this, but you see these guys like Chris Turner and – I'm sorry, Justin Turner and Chris Taylor and uh, J.D. Martinez, all these guys – went from basically being replacement level marginal guys to 
stars or even superstars within a year or two because they had these tools that they, they never had before. This game is ever-changing, and we love it, and I have no problem with the change. I love the game as much as I ever have, and it's just, you know, all things evolve, right? I mean, football's changed over the years. Basketball, I mean, Rob, think about if we went in a time machine and we went back to, like, the 60s, and we went to these old NBA centers who dominated the game and say, hey, listen, years from now, they're going to make this line from baseline to baseline. It's going to be called the three-point line. And actually, these little guys are going to dominate the game, and centers <laughs> will be almost irrelevant at times. They would have thought you were insane in the 60s if you would have said the big man won't be the focal point of the NBA. Well, yes, uh, you're absolutely right. All, every sport is going to change and, and change significantly. And I, I think just as in those other sports you mentioned, baseball players today are, are more talented, more physically talented, and, and, and all the rest of it than they've ever been. In my mind, there's no question. But having said that, what, different, what, what distinguishes baseball from the other sports is that basketball and, and football, and I would assume hockey, um, they're routinely reinventing themselves. Um, in terms of their rules, uh, especially uh, the way the games are played, uh, you know, the NBA and the NFL tinker with the rules basically every year. Baseball doesn't do that, and uh, there's an appeal to that, right? You, you, there's this sort of idea that it's baseball should never change. Uh, three outs is three outs, et cetera, et cetera, uh, which I am thrilled about. But I also think that at some point, just as any other sports, if you want to keep the game as appealing as it can be for the fans, and ultimately you don't have a game without the fans, then you've got to step in sometimes and, uh, and again, ask that fundamental question, what, game, what do we want this game to look like? Uh, and that hasn't happened lately. You can check out all of his books, robnyer.com, but this is a must-read for all baseball fans. And A's fans, the Coliseum is on the cover. Autonomy <laughs> yep. of a Modern Baseball Game, Powerball by Rob Nyer. Rob, thank you so much for coming on. I'll keep talking about the book, and we'll hopefully have you on again soon. I love coming on, and I'd uh, love to talk about the A's next time. Thank you, Rob. Take care, buddy. Rob Nyer. I can't tell you enough how good that guy has been been to me for over the years from all the different radio stations and all the different radio shows but yes powerball a's fans you're gonna love it the a's are in it it's a great read and the mvp machine we have just commander cody and i have just gotten uh the mvp machine and uh gonna delve into that probably during the all-star break this is the new wave of baseball it's how to use science to make players better, and it's not by health, as Rob thought. Pitch shaping, launch angle, how do we make you? We know you got the tools. Everybody's got the tools. You don't get the, to the big leagues unless you have tools, but how do you make them better? How do you make players better? It's crazy because Travis's first book was called Big Data Baseball. He wrote it about the, the Pirates turning around their their franchise after 20 years of losing and the way the pirates did it was they brought in reclamation projects like aj burnett francisco liriano and they did it through um shifting and pitch framing remember when pitch framing was huge they, they brought in catchers like russell martin who were good at framing pitches and then you saw everyone else start to start a lot of other teams started doing that and you saw shifting get bigger and bigger to the, the point where we're talking about banning the shift because it's uh hurting the game where i completely disagree just it, it, it's just an, it's just something. It's not a competitive advantage. It's just 
some teams don't know how to do it the right way, or you know, other players players are figuring out how to beat it. It's called hitting a home run. Well, how good has this show been? Paul Himbakides, the main producer for ESPN's Get Up, who is just phenomenal on Twitter with all of the great nuggets he supplies for all sports. By the way, he does football, basketball, whatever. We had the Hall of Famer Burt Blylevin on. We had the voice of your Oakland Athletics, Ken Korak, Travis Blackley, big part of the two, the end of the 2012 season, former left-hander for the Athletics, Joey Chestnut, the greatest competitive eater of all time, and then one of the top authors. Go to his website, robnire.com. But this book, Powerball, absolutely fantastic. Coming up next, buying or selling, right here on A's Cast Live. Want to add to your collection of A's memorabilia but can't make it to the Coliseum? During every weekend home series, the Oakland A's Community Fund will hold a digital silent auction through the MLB Ballpark app. You can bid on rare memorabilia items, including baseballs, jerseys, bats, game-used equipment, and autographed items. Proceeds from the silent auction benefit the Oakland A's Community Fund and its initiatives in the community. Download the app at athletics.com slash ballparkapp. Who doesn't love a good happy hour? The Cornerstone gives your group a unique happy hour experience. The area treats up to 40 to 50 guests with a package that includes food and beverage along with an intimate pregame experience. Plus, the experience comes with an awesome seating option that we can build to fit your needs. To learn more about the Cornerstone and other unique group experiences, visit athletics.com groups. Athletics.com groups. If you're a baseball fan and a parent, you've probably had to explain to your kid that a 2-2 count isn't something a ballerina wears. As a parent or even a sibling, you may have also had to explain that a makeup game doesn't involve lipstick or mascara. But as a parent and an A's fan, we do hope you know about our new A's stomping ground. This awesome space is open and waiting for you. From awesome new games for kids to interactive activities, the A's Stomping Ground is right for you and your family. So the next time the kids want to know what a sandwich pick is or who got that 2-2 pitch, you will know it's time to go to a ball game and visit the A's Stomping Ground, a free area in right field for kids and families. Visit athletics.com slash stomping ground to learn today. That's athletics.com slash stomping ground. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com future for more information. Playing in Hero Town, it's only fitting to get your group together to reserve the Budweiser Hero Deck. Located next to the right field foul pole, this awesome new space can hold around 100 people and a bunch of home run balls. With an all-inclusive buffet, now is the time to be the hero of your friends and colleagues by grabbing tickets and a cold one for a great day at the ballpark. For more information about the Budweiser Hero Deck, visit athletics.com premium today. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. And we'll have to use Nathan's 
hot dogs. I mean, you got to you got to use what the competition uses. If we're gonna do this hot dog eating contest after after the All Star break, because I'm in beach mode, I'm trying to not be too big a fat guy on the beach during the All Star break. It is Ace Cast Live with Chris Townsend and Commander Cody buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on Ace Cast Live. All right, Tony. The By the way, I'm going to tape this on July 4th and just see, like, how do they. Do you have to do the bun? So, since they soak the bun and it disintegrates. Do you have to do the bun, then the hot dog? Is there a rule? we got to find out what the rules are because I would just smoke down a bunch of buns because it's like nothing. Once you put them in water, they turn to nothing and then go after the hot dogs. Yeah, I'm actually paying a lot closer attention to the hot dog eating contest this year because of this fierce competition we're going to put on at the Coliseum. And it is, it, it, we're going to have to get the other fellas involved too. I don't. I think Matt and Joey are going to have to be involved. I think between those two, they might eat three. So I, I don't I don't I think it'll just be you and I coming down <laughs> towards the end. God, I wonder how many I really could eat. Because you just remember, you're gonna wet the you're gonna wet the bun. That's nothing. Now it's just about eating hot dogs, like without the bun. Do you find yourself eating a lot of hot dogs anymore? I I personally don't feel like I eat hot dogs as much as I used to, and I feel like that this is something that this is a challenge that I I really want to see how many I can eat because I I couldn't tell you how many I can actually sit down and eat because. I feel like I don't eat them as much anymore. I have hot dogs. I have children, so my, my kids like hot dogs, so I make hot dogs. I have, All right. All I have, fair I have, enough. I have kids, so, yeah, mac and cheese, hot dogs. There's certain things that kids, that they're down. What's wrong? I'm 30 and I eat mac and cheese still, so, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You do have a palate of a 12-year-old. Yeah. All true. right, what do you got? All right, well, let's get – I'm going to do this one first. This is off off the script because we didn't get to this Oh, today. boy. Oh, boy. Now, ESPN's offering you a chance to sit in the booth – with a legend. Oh, my God. And that legend is none other than Alex Rodriguez. Oh, my God. You can bet on this at ebay.com slash ESPN. The experience gives you two tickets to a Sunday night baseball game. You get to sit in the booth with Alex Rodriguez for one inning, including private meet and greet with ESPN Sunday baseball crew. So that be friend of the program, Matt Vescursion, Jessica Mendoza, and Alex Rodriguez. Are you buying or selling the idea of hanging out with Alex Rodriguez. Selling. He is the biggest phony fraud. I would want no part in Major League Baseball legend. There is a word I'd like to use, but I don't think the A's would be happy if I used it to explain who he is. All I know is he's a liar, he's a fraud, and he's an ego. He's beyond an ego man. He and J-Lo couldn't be better. They're both narcissists. They couldn't be better for each other. You would want nothing to do with this guy. He's so disingenuous, it's unbelievable. Remember when he brought, was at, it was in at Dodger Stadium last year. Remember when J-Lo came in the booth with them when they were doing, like, it was like their first, like, Sunday night baseball game, I think, or, like, one of their first couple ones, and J-Lo just, you know, walks into the booth, and, like, they all start having a conversation. I, I remember looking at Vasquez and, like, how uncomfortable is this for you right now? You're, you're, you're trying to call a baseball game, and you have J-Lo in there distracting your, technically, your lead analyst. And it, it was, it, to me, it just, it was all wrong. I want no part of it, Ron. Sorry. I forgot one thing, too. Uh, you get you get a VIP behind-the-scenes tour of ESPN Broadcast Production Compound. Now, if Hembo's there, 
I would maybe consider. So it. what? They're going to take you in a TV truck? I can tell you that's not very exciting. I've been in TV trucks. They're not very exciting. None of that sounds exciting unless you're giving me a suite with a full, full food and beverage. Well, all right. Let's move on to this one because I saw a lot of complaints on Twitter where everyone's always angry, and a lot of articles about this. We saw a few players like Luke Voigt, Ozzy Albies, Max Muncy, Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Bryce Harper. These guys didn't make it to the All-Star game this year. Yeah, how about that? The, the, the two big contracts, Machado and Harper, don't make the All-Star but team. But DJ LeMay, who did, who has a higher war, as Hembo told us, than both those guys combined. And could be the only guy ever to win a batting title in both leagues. That That's incredible. I can't believe that's never happened. Gaylord before. Perry at one point was the only guy ever to win a Cy Young in both leagues. But now you've seen Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez. There's been multiple guys who've done it. Okay, so buying or selling the idea that Major League Baseball needs to get rid of the every team has to have an all-star approach. Selling. I think everybody should see a player with their hometown uniform in the all-star game. And and I know that's probably going to be... That's probably going to be frowned upon by the audience, but I, I guess that's where I'll go old school. You know, because if your team stinks, you still like to see that you have one guy. You know, there's going to be one Oriole. There's going to be one, you know, that's our guy. I, I think it's key that every all 30 teams have a representative because every fan base can enjoy the All-Star game. Because think about this. Do you want to take cities out? Let's say the New York Yankees stink. You and they don't have one Yankee. Let's say there's not one. Oh, that kind of changes things, doesn't it? Let's say the Red Sox have an off year and there's not one Red Sox. You really want to take that TV market out of them? Because there'll probably be people like, eh, I'm not going to watch. Yeah, but if, it's, if you're telling me it's a team like Kansas City, where if um, I don't even think it was Whit Miller, if Whit Merrifield didn't make the All Star team, see, uh, it's always I'm, a small market deal. There's been times where the Dodgers weren't. Let's say the Dodgers. You want to take the number two TV market and have people. Take the risk of people going, oh, there's not a Dodger in it? I'm not watching it. What if it's the Angels? Big, still big TV market. All right. I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. I think you I think you keep it. I think it makes it more exciting. But see, you went to what people normally go to. Oh, the small market team, who cares? What if it's a big market? What if, what if both Cubs have stunk over the years? You want to not have a Chicago Cub in there? If you're if you're for the TV for the TV purpose of it, I'm just I was just trying to think of a Cub that was really bad that was on the team when they were really bad, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. I, when I came, I was going to say Anthony Rizzo. I don't think he was on the team. All right, buying or selling this. Over the weekend, we saw something very major happen. The New York Knicks missed out on Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving going to Brooklyn. They missed out on Zion Williamson in the draft. Blah blah blah. But uh, I don't know if you saw this over the weekend or not. But the New York Mets put two players in their memorandum who were still alive during their 69 Mets reunion. Uh, we saw what happened last week with Mickey Calloway and everything, and don't forget today is Bobby Bonilla Day. Buying or selling that the New York Mets, not the Knicks, are the biggest dumper, dumpster fire in New York. Wow. I, I got to sell that. The Knicks, I mean, the Knicks haven't made the playoffs since Patrick Ewing, right? Uh, I think the, No, they made it in 2011 with Carmelo. That one year they really they won like 53 games with Carmelo and their coach was Mike Woodson. But other than that, no, I think the last one they made was with Allen Houston. Oh my god, they've been a real dumpster fire. But the Mets are the Mets. That's one A and one B of dumpster fires. I mean, here you are, because you know why the Knicks are worse because they are the New York team, right? Even though the Nets are in Brooklyn, I mean, they're like the Yankees. 
the Mets are the second fiddle to the Yankees. You're not set. You're the Knicks, and the fact that you're the n- number one market and you can't pl- players don't want to go there anymore. That's a mess. Yeah, it, it is a mess, and I feel bad for Knicks fans after seeing a lot of this stuff on Twitter. I don't. Time. I, you know, I don't feel bad for New York fans ever. Look, the, the Madison Square Garden is not the mecca anymore, and uh, it's sad to say because I, I want to see the Knicks be good again, but it's not going to happen anytime soon, with, especially with their, the ownership they have there. All right, I want to get this one quickly. Uh, you sent me the stats about Max Scherzer, so I went back and looked up Max Scherzer. He leads the National League with 170 strikeouts in 120 innings. Last year, he had a 300-strikeout season. Buying or selling this, Max Scherzer will be the first National League pitcher since Randy Johnson to have back-to-back 300-strikeout seasons. Now, Johnson did it four years in a row with the Diamondbacks. And if you go back to 98 when he played for the Mariners and Astros, he did it five years in a row. Buying or selling, Max Scherzer will be the first pitcher since Johnson to do it. I got to buy that, right? Isn't he, isn't he on pace? He's on pace, but last year he had more strikeouts than the All-Star. He had 182. What's he at now? He's at 170. He had 182 but last year. He's got year. another start before the All-Star game. Yeah, but last year when he before he finished the uh, when he finished the season, he only had 112 strikeouts the second half of the Wait, year. Wait, when did he last go? He pitched yesterday. He had 14 strikeouts. So well, Monday, more, Tuesday, Wednesday, he'll Thursday. Probably pitch he'll get one more yeah. start. He'll so pitch say, Friday. So well, I don't know what if they have a day off. Or so, so he strikes out 10. He's, he's, pitch, at, he's at 100. So he's right on pace. But he's on year, pace. I've got, I got, I got to buy. Mad Max continues to be incredible. No. The NL record for strikeouts in a season. Yep. Sandy at 382. And Sandy three, Koufax. 335 and two-thirds innings pitched in 1965. I don't think that record's going anywhere. What's what's Ryan's record? 380-something? Three. Uh, no, yeah. He had like, I think with the Angels, he had like 380 strikeouts. I think it was like 383 season. or something, yeah. <laughs> so He still dominates. Uh, every Angel. We don't do this. Every yeah. Angel's record is yeah, pretty much cause, his. Yeah, because – I can't remember where it was in the stadium, but when I was down at the Big A with the with the Athletics, and they had this thing, it was like all about Nolan. Nolan Ryan still has a t- he hasn't pitched there, and, and even play a full career there. He only played there so many years. He still has so many of the pitching records. It's unbelievable. I, I mean, because how many guys from the Angels do you, can you actually think of that are like, oh, that guy pitched for the Angels? Like when Chuck I think, Finley was good. When I think Mark of, Langston was good. When I think of guys, you know, since I'm a little younger than seeing those guys pitch, I think of um, Jared Washburn. Uh, John Lackey and some of the guys that Lackey pitched recently. a long time there. Yeah, Lackey was good for him. He was on that World Series team. Yeah, he's a K-Rod. rookie. K Rod, K Rod, Percival. All right, tomorrow we are back at it. A's Cast Live will be on the field from four to six. Who do we have tomorrow? We'll have the Bob Melvin Show. We'll have Bo Mel. Who else we got? Uh, we're shooting for hopefully the All Star Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman. What else we got? Uh, that's all right now. Well, I mean, we had a great day today. Great job today, Commander Cody. One day at a time, Tommy. It's a one day at a time. We're just taking it one A's cast live at a time. All right. Enjoy the rest of the night. Enjoy the rest of A's cast. Stay right here. You still get a ton of A's baseball. We'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Have a great night, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 